Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos, we're talking what a good Justice League trailer can do for the DC movie universe. And is going back to World War II the right move for Call of Duty? All this, and we discuss Destiny 2, rebooting the Terminator franchise, Assassin's Creed coming to Netflix, Rogue One and its alternate ending, and is the tablet market still viable for consumers? Plus, we have another great song from Moy Navarro and samples from the latest What About This and Super Bro Station Gamescast. It's another delicious buffet of yumminess as we delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and also game source and humanican media as well we truly appreciate you listening out there to the number one show that's right the number one show right here on the podcast radio network we're here every monday night 10 30 p.m eastern 7 30 p.m pacific right here on the podcast radio network we're also available on several different outlets if you want to catch the great episodes that we have anytime at your leisure available for download free of charge that's available on Mixcloud, Google Play, iTunes, Podcast.com, Stitcher, TuneIn, the ESO Network, the Tangent Bound Network, and the Gunna Geek Network as well. We've got so many, sometimes I even go vague on them. My goodness, indeed. Well, I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend. He is the man behind Humanic Media and all of its great projects. It's Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? Good, 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 man. You know, just kicking it on this here, ready to talk about some pop culture. There you go, indeed. And 
congratulations to you, my friend, because we are now at number 30. Can you believe it? We are 30 episodes into our awesome show, and it's because of you out there listening to us, making us, in less than 30 episodes, already the number one show on the network. What do you think about that, my friend? Don't be too excited now. <laughs> People like us. I mean, that, that's always a good thing, right? It means that we're not just sitting here having these conversations. Almost reminds me of Jim Carrey in the mask. They like me. They really <laughs> like me. They like me. Yes, indeed. So we truly appreciate you listening to us out there. We we cannot say enough thank yous also to you, uh, each and everyone you that listens to us each and every week. But also a big thank you to our sponsors, Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens available right now. You can check them out on their website, agsgrass.com. That's agsgrass.com. But they're also got an office located in Huntington Beach. Financing is available. Give them a call today. It's agsgrass.com to check out everything that they have. I'll be playing the commercial here coming up in a bit that'll give you all the pertinent information, including their phone number to call. Make sure when you do, you tell them Pop Culture Cosmos sent you because it really helps us out and lets them know that their ad and their their time investment is, is working with them as well. We also truly appreciate Rob McCallum Films. That's robmccallumfilms.com for all the great projects that he is working on, including Box Art, the documentary, Missing Mom, the Kitty Gok documentary, The Masters of the Universe, and he's working with a ton of stuff more. There's rumors possibly even a, a sequel maybe to even his awesome 2015 documentary, Nintendo Quest. There's been rumors of that. But he also tells you about some of the other things that he's doing as well, including GamerCast with J. Robin Glenn, also The Trenches, and all the other great things that are happening. That's robmccallumfilms.com. And our great friends, Doug and Nicole, at Retro City Games. If you want to know more about the retro gaming scene, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games on Facebook. That's Retro City Games on Facebook to check out all the great stuff that they have indeed. And you know, just ask them a question. They're always happy to answer. And then they've also got a great ton of stuff. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson area in Nevada, they've definitely, definitely place to go for video game needs. So it's going to be another great episode. We've got a lot of things that we're going to be discussing over the next hour that, that we're going to be detailing. We're going to be talking a little bit about Destiny 2. We're going to be talking maybe a little bit about the next Call of Duty, what that might end up being, Assassin's Creed hitting Netflix, an alternate Star Wars Rogue One ending, so much more. But there's also two podcasts, two projects that I want to talk about with Josh. Tell me a little bit more about what's going on with Humanity Comedian and, and also the two little samples that we're going to be playing here sometime in the hour. Yeah, you guys are going to get to uh, hear a little sample of my two latest shows. We have the Super Bro Station Gamescast and then the What About This podcast. Or, yeah, What About This will be... Uh, you also get a chance to listen to that one, the newest episode where we discuss who is more influential over music, the Beatles or Nirvana. That one got pretty heated. Uh, there almost was not a fourth episode of What About This? So you guys should tune in. And, uh, you know, we got this daily show in the works. Uh, as soon as I know more about it, I will let you guys know. But, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Indeed. So that's something to look forward to, both samples of the Super Bros Station Games cast and also a sample of What About This podcast. Both shows are on the Humanity Media Networks. Uh, check that out on Mixcloud podcast.com, iTunes, YouTube, 
Facebook, what have you. It's all over the place there. And, and we're just truly appreciate Josh allowing us to go ahead and, and give you a taste of it indeed. In fact, you might even see one of them coming up as far as the extra download on this at the end of this uh, podcast if you're downloading it as well. But first, I, I want to just go ahead and, and you know, I got to gotta hit you up on this my friend i know you i know it you have seen the trailer the latest trailer for the justice league i know a lot of people out there are really now excited because it for once the momentum is starting to pick up after what happened with bbs and suicide squad and how that left a lot of people maybe not so enamored on the dc universe things are truly starting to pick up wonder woman is is really looking like a strong entry into the dc universe and after watching the actual trailer for Justice League this weekend, it looks like it's something that, that could be very promising as well. Your thoughts on Justice League, the trailer that just came out for it, uh, if you want to catch it, you can. we've actually posted it on the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook timeline. You can catch it there or also as well, uh, Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter. So what are your thoughts on Justice League so far after seeing the trailer? Is it Justice League or is it a buddy cop comedy between Aquaman and Cyborg? Um, <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's they're trying to go for a little bit lighter, and, and obviously that's something that they've gotten influence from Marvel after being so so heavy. Uh, and I think that's a good turn for them because, you know, obviously being well, – the, the Batman movies were so dark and were so heavy as far as they, from an emotional standpoint – BVS, Man of Steel, and Suicide Squad wanted to go down that same path, and it looks like that was not the best fashion as far as from a critical standpoint, and maybe from a from a fan standpoint as well. They could have achieved maybe a little bit more success with a more lighter tone that maybe you know fashions itself after what the Marvel universe is doing. But you say it's a buddy comedy. I, mean, I know you say that somewhat in jest, but you could also say it. it could be the theme as far as what they're trying to underscore as far as the relationships in the film yeah no that's true they uh i think they're you know they're they've had enough misfires that they're you know this they're bound to uh catch on one of these strategies here but i just i you know i don't want to see i want it to have like a little more lightheartedness to it but i don't want it to be exactly like a marvel film because i i do i do enjoy like the darker side of the universe of you know dc but at, at the same time like it needs to be not so dark that it, you know, there's nothing in it that's like comedic. Like I, I'm looking forward to seeing the relationships between all these heroes because you have this dynamic that you wouldn't be able to have in, you know, any of their solo movies. And I know in Batman vs Superman, they tried to do that with the the whole like Batman and Superman talking about Wonder Woman going, Oh, I thought you brought her, but like, you know, it, it didn't really, uh, it didn't really pan out that well. And, uh, Another thing, I'm excited to see how they're going to incorporate Superman into this movie because we know that he's in it, but we don't have any details besides that. And that's uh, yeah, – well, that, Actually, I think that's so good so far that they've kept that because, you know, these days in the trailers, they're usually willing to almost tell you the entire story and synopsis before the movie even comes out. And I'm, I'm glad that they're leaving that detail out of it for the present time. We all know that Superman's coming back. It's – for those spoilers, and I'm sorry, it's pretty much alluded to at the very end of of BVS. So uh, I don't have a problem with with that being held back for 100 because I think everybody's curious to see what 
he's going to look like with his transformation? Does it, does he become the same Superman or is it something entirely different? So I'm, I'm okay with that at this point in time. Right. Right. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm curious what, what they're going to do. Like they haven't really showed who the villain is. They just showed a lot of like kind of cool action sequences. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that it's, I hope that's better than Batman vs Superman. I didn't come out of those movies hating them. I just I didn't like them, but I wasn't like I didn't regret watching them. I did on all yeah. accounts. I know you did, and a lot of people who did go see it did. But I mean, I I wasn't like, oh man, there's you know definitely something better I could have done with my time. I mean, that's I know you I did, did, yeah. But... I did. It's all. I think, like I said earlier, there's a formula, and I think they've had enough misfires that one of these times they're going to hit with audiences. It's inevitable. I think it's going to be with Wonder Woman because that really looks like a strong entry into the DC Marvel universe. I'm, I'm really excited that I know my girls are as well. I think it's something that that definitely will reinvigorate the DC movie universe and give it some life and actually be able to present it in a much better fashion than it has before. You and I have talked that Wonder Woman has, has, has got a lot of promise. Yeah, Wonder Woman does have a lot of promise, but it's it's not the same type of movie that Justice League is going to be. So hopefully, if Wonder Woman's good, it's already going to set that bar pretty high. And then if Justice League is disappointing, it's going to ruin whatever progress they made with Wonder Woman. Indeed. So I, I, like you, am looking forward to the Justice League at this point in time. Well, although... People like uh, like the Suicide Squad trailers. I, I, for one, kind of like the Suicide Squad trailers as well. I thought the, the the way they incorporated music. But the problem is that's where it stopped was they were able to fill enough good content within two to three minutes. And then after that, they just couldn't do enough for two hours. And that's, I think, was the problem with both those films is that they just didn't have enough to, to provide beyond a sizzle reel. And I'm hopeful that they will be able to, on this occasion be able to provide a lot more depth to all the characters and also a lot more depth to the story as well. So definitely looking forward to that indeed in November when it comes out as more news and events and, and also information comes about on the justice league. Make sure you stay tuned right here to the pop culture cosmos show. And then also our sister show, the PCC multiverse every Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And it's also available free to download on all those channels I mentioned earlier. The ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, iTunes. There's a lot of ways that you can go ahead and get our show. We just truly appreciate you doing so indeed. So we've got another great show lined up for you. A lot more talk to come on a lot of great subjects. But first, we wanted to make sure we check out another great song from Moy Navarro. This is I Won't Give Up from Moy Navarro. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
was Moyne Check out more of his great songs today on YouTube. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, everyone. If you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly or that punting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. 
Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways. So if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach. And get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse Channels. And we're back. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We're right here uh, every Monday and Friday nights on the Podcast Radio Network. The PCC Multiverse is on Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Pop Culture Cosmos show is 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. And that's the number one rated show on the Podcast Radio Network. And we're truly blessed that we are, and it's all thanks to you. It's all credit to you, the listener out there, for doing so. If you get a chance, check us out there. If not, we've got plenty of ways that you can download our show each and every week if you miss an episode. That is through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, and Podcast.com as well. So I want to ask you, Josh, and I'm here again with my good friend, Josh Peterson from Humanica Media. What are your thoughts on James Cameron's comments about a Terminator reboot and rebooting the entire series again and straying away from, you know, doing another iteration in the Arnold Schwarzenegger end of the Terminator universe? No, it's dead. Just leave it. Just leave it dead. Don't touch it. Just let us remember it for what it was and leave it alone. You've been waiting to say that. You've, you've just been waiting ever since I typed that up as a topic, uh, said that to you as a to- topic for our show. You've just been waiting to go ahead and talk about that. Oh, for real. Because let me ask you this. How many people sit around, you know, wherever it is they congregate, talk about movies and say, you know what? I really wish there was another Terminator movie. Like after Terminator three, I don't think I ever wished for another Terminator movie. Terminator Salvation was cool, but I didn't, I wasn't like, Hey, yeah, I want to see another Terminator movie. And just like now I wasn't, you know, I, I, I'm not like, I never, never had, have I said, or anybody that I know has said, I wish they would reboot Terminator. Yeah, they should reboot Terminator. That'd be a really, really just solid idea. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm. I'm gonna rant myself into oblivion here, but it's just. It just leave it alone. We don't need it. Go back to you know. You got your Avatar sequels to worry about. Don't don't worry about Terminator. We don't need it. It's not on you know on a list of movies people are clamoring for. It's just not. It's not important. Just leave it alone. All I can say is this: Terminator Genesis that just sucked the life right out of the series. That and the Sarah Connor Chronicles that was unnecessary did not need to happen. Both were bad representations of the product. Uh, I'm just done with it myself. It just, it's, there's, there's no life in it. And to try and reboot and make some life out of it, it's just, all you're going to get is Total Recall all over again. When Total Recall was rebooted and nobody really wanted to see a Total Recall movie, nobody was really asking for it. And people just loved the original and, and you saw what happened there. I, I think there's no more room for, for, you know, the, 
the Terminator series. I think that if it was a sponge, it's already been wrung dry and, and there's nothing else to drip out of there. And if it, what else is going to be dripping out of there? It's just like little waste and little, little dirt and whatnot, because that's all you're going to get is junk coming out of it at this point. Yeah, and they have this tendency to to like start these great stories, and they don't they don't continue them. They just like like Terminator Salvation loved it, absolutely loved it, and they they had all these story arcs open, and then they didn't continue them at all. They're just like, okay, now from here we're gonna go back in time. Like they just they they do it all the time, and like the end of Terminator Three, they allegedly saved the world and then it went back into like a, an apocalyptic state. Like they, they introduced these characters and they don't continue them at all. It's just, it's, there's no continuity there and nobody, and people have been so disappointed with the last two Terminator or last three Terminator movies, I guess that they just, they don't care anymore. There's no interest. Just leave it alone. Well, T2 was so well done and Terminator, the original was, very, very good representation of what the what, – if somebody wants to go on a time capsule and look, see what the 80s movies were all about and, and take a good look there, it's either you start there or Lethal Weapon or something like that because, yes, the ultra-violent genre really just kicked into place in the 80s and, and the Terminator was really one area where it started. But it still told a, a pretty darn good story and – I just don't think after there, there, I don't still don't think there's any more room for a reboot. I don't care how you want to freshen up. I don't care what kind of makeover you want to put. The Terminator series is done at least for the next fifteen years. Uh, it just, I don't feel any nostalgia for it. I don't want. I, I'm not clamoring to see it. I don't want to see it at this point in time. The only thing I may watch T2 on a on a repeat or a ter- the original Terminator. There's just no desire after Genesis to say, hey, I think we really need to go ahead and do this right from the get-go and, and forget about Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that, and it's time to just redo this fresh. No, there, it, no, no, no. Sarah Connor Chronicles didn't do well for a reason. Terminator Genesis didn't do well for a reason. We're done. The, the, the movie goes out of America, I think are, it's pretty safe to say, are done with the Terminator franchise at this point. Maybe it's something they can revisit and probably will in 25 years, but if it has a right now, done, finito, stick a fork in it, it's done, call it a day, it's gone, it's out of here. What are your thoughts on the Terminator franchise out there? Please let us know because for us, we're done. We're absolutely done. But if you're not done with it, or even if you are, just let us know, pass along a line, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com you can send us a tweet at humanican media or at popculturecosmo or facebook humanican media on facebook or popculturecosmos as facebook as well and while you're there please like us and follow us because you'll get the latest pop culture news you'll get the latest info on all of our shows you'll get the latest articles that we write you'll get all the latest great stuff that's going on and don't forget Game Source as well, giving you all the latest video game information and news. So we bring it all to you from all realms of pop culture, so there's nothing that, that you'll miss indeed. We've got a taste of the latest What About This podcast when we return. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Are you saying they're the most popular? No. Are, they, are they the most influential? So here's here's what I would think, partly what we mean by influential. I don't know if this would encapsulate everything. Kyle can say more if he wants. Oh, I will. Um, I think, you guys were saying that um, subconsciously that bands weren't trying to be the Beatles. Um, I'll say that they were. I say consciously they were trying to be the Beatles. You mean they're but, trying but, to fit that mold? Both. But here's what I'll say even more more specifically. I think the music industry was trying to replicate the Beatles mm. after they came you out. You think that the I music industry... I think music industry... executives were saying, we need the next Beatles. And I think that's what shaped music. That's what, what I think by means shaped music culture. I, I can see it from that point because even if... Because uh, influence, that's such like a broad term. Like even if someone didn't listen to the Beatles, <laughs> they could still have been influenced by somebody who was influenced right. by the Beatles. Exactly. No, I, I think yeah, it's no, a great point. So it's not that they're, it's not that they're one of the greatest influencers. What I'm saying, they no, are. What what I'm so why, why are they the greatest influencers? Because but if, my, if, if the music executives at Columbia Records and whatever what are the other records of that you know if they were saying well we need the next Beatles that means music itself the idea of music culturally shifted from whatever it was going towards to now finding the next Beatles. So they said that about Dylan. They say that about Michael Jackson. They say, no, they say but, for sure but they look do. At the, I, they no, I know say they that know. about I'm Bob saying, Dylan. Actually, they... But I'm yeah, saying for this, sure they But do. I'm saying this... I'm, some I'm, research. But I'm, what I'm saying research. is look at the landscape of music post-Beatles and that drastically... Now, this isn't... Obviously not across the board, but in what became popular for the next... Even to today, maybe until maybe the, the late 80s, early 90s, were bands that were fronted by guitars, bands, and drums, and sure. that was what they looked. That's what the music. That's what the music industry became for years. That was the "What About This" podcast on the Humanica Media outlets on Podbean, iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos scene. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Truly appreciate you listening out there. Check out all of our shows every Monday and Friday night. The number one show on the Podcast Radio Network, and it's all because of you. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos show every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. Also as well... The PCC Multiverse, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And if you can't get our shows there, no worries. iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast.com, TuneIn, Google Play, MixCloud, 
the ESO network, the Tangent Mound network, and the Gunna Geek network as well. You can download our shows on any one of those great and awesome hosts. And if you do, we try to throw in an extra podcast from the pop culture universe, the pop culture Cosmo universe as well. So that's a special little treat we have for you. It may be a Humanican Media Show. It may be a, something from the Rob McCallum Films Vault. It may be something from Wine, Women, and Words. Maybe something from Game Source. You'd never know. It's always a treat, but it's, uh, you know, we try to do our best to add it on to each and every episode in the Pop Culture Cosmos channels, indeed. So, Netflix, they're doing such a great job with the Marvel series because they're now such a huge entity. I remember when I was just getting their DVDs in the mail and it was like kind of a novelty and, and everything was great. Now they're this big, huge entity, as it were. So I want to ask you, their latest thing that they're talking about doing is doing a little bit something in the video game universe, which was also recently done on film. And if you, depending on who you ask, whether it's Josh Peterson with his review on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com or the average reviewer out there that didn't quite enjoy it, and neither did audiences really for that matter because it didn't do quite as well as, as Hope at, from the box office standpoint. What are your thoughts on an Assassin's Creed series coming to Netflix? I think audiences did enjoy it. I think that it just wasn't enough audience for it was the problem. But, uh, I mean, I'm fine with it. I'll, I'll watch it. it I my hope That's true because you can have a well-liked movie by the audience base and it may not do well. In, you know. Yeah, look, look at Warcraft. I mean, I hated it, but th- there there's a strong following for it. But, you know, I guess that's... Moonlight. Moonlight's a... Moonlight, exactly. Yeah, Moonlight. yeah that's, that's a great movie that's not going to do you know, huge numbers at the box office. It would obviously make a profit because it wasn't a very expensive film, but, you know. I mean, that's the problem with Oscars in general is that basically it's it's a competition to see what movie is going to end up in the bargain bin fastest come next year. So, I mean, that's <laughs> that's, that's what the Oscars are. But, uh, you know, as far as Assassin's Creed goes, I, I'll watch it. It sounds interesting. I would hope that it would exist in the same universe as the movie, maybe take on a different character, different timeline. Well, let's say you're Ubisoft and you get approached with this concept. So I can't wait for that Far Cry to to show up. I'd like to see them go back into 13. I know they did a TV series in Canada based off loosely off of it, but I'd like to see them go back into and reach into that entity once again because I really think that's one of their underrated titles. But we won't delve on that too much more than that. My question to you is: If you were in charge of Netflix Studios and also you were you're getting to know Ubisoft, what do you want to see, what particular parts of the actual Assassin's Creed universe do you want to see in a Netflix show? I want to see the part of it that shows what they're fighting for. I want to, I want to see a good budget, a good story, and I want to see proof that the Assassin's Creed franchise is going somewhere. Because right now, it's we, we're just playing in circles. We're going over and over and over the same old thing. He has the apple. No, he has the apple. Oh, boy, there's another artifact over here. There's a cave. Uh, you know, there's, there's a ghost, an alien. What? It's just there's so much nonsense going on. And I play them strictly out of OCD. That's it. I don't play them because I enjoy them. I play them because I feel this obsessive, compulsive need to play them. And I just want to know that it's all leading to something. Further down the line, another Assassin's Creed game could could uh, materialize like Halo, but I just want to know that it's going somewhere. Well, I know they've they've talked about 
recently the next episode coming from ancient egypt i know uh, last year there were leaks that led into that direction for me when it comes to a series the interesting thing about the assassin's creed series to me was the fact that it's gone through different time frames and if you could do that from that standpoint although time jumping lately on television really hasn't worked out very well so I shouldn't say from that point, but to me, it'd be nice if they went to, well, the revolutionary era, or they went to as far as a pirate, as far as, or, or France, or, or, or where, you know, the, all the different stops that they've made on the Assassin's Creed tour, so to speak. It would be nice to see them go and delve into that range, but focus just primarily on them and the Templars being able to go at each other as factions and look at it from just that standpoint. Don't want to know about as far as the Terminus and all that. Uh, I don't want to know about, you know, what's happening in the present really that part. You should just leave out of it. You just go back and just talk about the battle and the struggle between the good and the evil, the light and the dark, as far as the different factions are concerned through the different time frames. that to me might provide some interest but your thoughts, Josh, on, on something like that, maybe just making it just more cut and dried, like you said, just leaving out all the other garbage that, that seems to now populate much of the Assassin's Creed universe. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that it would be interesting to know what happened to Connor uh, Haytham, Haythway. I don't remember what their last names are. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happened to Connor because he was... To me, he's an interesting character, but they didn't really give him a, sh- a chance. He's kind of too one-dimensional, so I'd like to know more about him. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of places they can go, and they, they're really just making games right now for the sake of making them. So if they were to make a Netflix show based on Assassin's Creed, I would want you know an actual story, something with depth, something with layers, something that has a clear uh, beginning and a clear ending and alludes to something greater that could eventually show that there's an ending insight or a goal at least for the assassin's creed franchise well those are some great thoughts indeed if you have thoughts on what an assassin's creed series on netflix should be send us a line popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or just send us a note on facebook or twitter humanican media or pop culture cosmos or pop culture cosmos on twitter or humanican media on twitter as well and, and while you're there, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, so you can just keep up to date with all the latest going on on our shows, on the Pop Culture Cosmos universe, and also all the latest news in the pop culture realm as well. So truly appreciate if you would like us and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, Humanican Media and Pop Culture Cosmos. And Game Source 2, which you know gives you all the latest news from the video game world indeed. So we're talking uh, Destiny 2. We, we knew based off of shareholders' meetings when it was, uh, that it was inevitable it's coming out. We also knew that, that the end of the line as far as DLC is coming for the original Destiny. was. So we knew Destiny 2 was going to be on its way. But from leaks and also posters and also uh, other information that's been leaked out onto the internet, it looks like it's going to be a September release. And that's not a surprise since Des- the original Destiny came out in September. I want to ask you, Josh, you said you did not play the original Destiny. 
What are your thoughts on a Destiny 2? What does a Destiny 2 need to do to grab you as a consumer? Because I played it for several hours. It's had some charm to it, but it didn't seem to have that bungee snap to me, no matter how interesting the raids might have appeared on the surface, because it looked like a lot of grinding to me, and I wanted some other things added in there. But I'll share more thoughts on it, but I want to hear your thoughts first on what Destiny 2 has to do to grab you. See, Destiny is one of those games that I wanted to play, but I was in the middle of like three or four other games at the time it came out, so I didn't go out and spend the money on it. But, you know, to me, I I don't like those games that you can't play by yourself. So I think that was my biggest uh, turnoff, I guess. So if they were to come out with a Destiny that, you know, you can still incorporate those multiplayer elements, but have it so... You can play. You can play the game without having to have friends online to play it. Then that might pique my interest a little bit. But you know, if it's something that I have to rely on other people to play, then it's just not. It's probably not something I'm going to pick up. It's kind of like the original Titanfall for me. I agree with you on that. I'm I'm the person who can play at times with with other individuals on multiplayer. It's okay, Uh, but I usually like playing in a solitary fashion, especially when I go online as well. Uh, let's say Star Wars Battlefront is concerned. I just go randomly online. I just go play. And I, I, I stick to myself. I, I, I just don't mind anybody out there. Don't mind the chatter or whatnot. Just go play, enjoy it, and then I'm out. Same thing with Destiny. I want to be able to enjoy it from a, a single-player standpoint, and if I feel like I want to go ahead and do it, I can just join in with a crew, not have to deal with any of the, the hubbub, just go in silently, you know, go and do whatever I need to do to, to, to level up and all that, and then be done with it. Destiny 2 needs to go ahead and provide that atmosphere for that from both the single and multiplayer standpoint, because it just looked like it became more of a more of a grind fest, and also as well, the raids were, were just all over the place from being very interesting to be very, to be very uninteresting people would yeah just you know you would you would see them release the dlc and and they would go in with raids just several hours later they'd already be done with it and it just seemed like it was kind of a waste of time for everybody else who wanted to play the game so i mean there destiny has its enthusiasts but there's also a lot of detractors from it they did try to make a, a better men's by by reshaping and taking out uh, Peter Dinklage and, and replace it with North uh, Nolan North as far as the character's standpoint. They tried to revamp the story a little bit and try to make it more interesting. I'd love to see space battles. Uh, I think that's something that Bungie needs to definitely focus on because if it's dealing with that type of space opera type format that they're used to with the Halo series and whatnot, and they did a decent job of, of space battles in Halo Reach, so I don't see if out of the realm of possibility why they can't do it. I think that's something that they need to think about how, I mean, you have a ship you need, you need to build or design or customize anyways. Why, why not go ahead and, and through the, the glorious battles that you go through, be able to do a lot better than that uh, as far as from building up and leveling up your ship as well. So I'd like to see more involvement from that. And if you have any thoughts on destiny Two and you'd like to see from the sequel, please send us a line pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. I, I'm still looking forward to the game. I'd like another few hours of, of a demo or a trial like like there was before. I thought that was a smart move by Bungie to to do that. So I'm hopeful that they will be able to do that again. I'd like to be able to to get a taste of Destiny 2 before I go ahead and think about whether or not I want to buy it or not buy it. And 
And like you said, it would be nice if we could just, you know, have that chance to enjoy it from a single player standpoint, but also be able to, to incorporate a multiplayer at your leisure as well. So something to look forward to the, indeed that's destiny two coming out in September. We'll be keeping our eyes on it as, as a game to watch. And as the, the months get closer, we'll be talking a little bit more and more about it as it warrants right here on the pop culture cosmos and PCC multiverse. Right after the break, it's a little snippet from the Super Bro Station Gamescast. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Check it out every Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. we spoke but the time before we were talking about pewdiepie and his recent jokes um don i've heard something about john tron recently that happened oh yeah that he's not funny that's not (laughs) uh, that's crazy man like everybody knew he's like the funniest guy i think i expressed the same thing when we talked about uh pewdiepie that i just don't get it it's like the epitome of amateur like so random humor and it's like so Bad. Well, he's got what a hundred million it's people, like, and they're all kids. It's probably. like everyone. It's like everyone, you know, like maybe five years younger than us, like watched The Office when they were in high school and thought that like Jim pointing out everything and being like, "What? Yeah, like, the was funny like the part? funniest thing." <laughs> so everyone a lot does of it. Base their personalities off of Jim too. So it's yeah. like, but now it's like this like cartoon version of that where it's like. Oh, I'm playing this game. What? What does that even mean? It's like almost like self. It's almost like uh, like Seth Rogen like doing his constant like like I feel like Seth Rogen's entire humor is just like whoa, wait a minute, you just you just went there, and that's all. He just like he's like you just kiss that guy. Like that's like Seth Rogen jokes. Now, like somebody walks up to him, dumps pie on his head. I'm all for that. Dumps a pie on his head. He's like bam. Like, whoa, you just, like, committed to that. You, like, dumped that pie on my head. (laughs) That's the Super Pro Station Gamescast on the Humanity Media Facebook, YouTube, and iTunes channels. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back. We truly appreciate you sticking with us here. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and GameSource. I'm here along with my good friend, Josh Peterson of Humanity Media and pop culture cosmos indeed so i want to ask you a question on all the work that you do what type of devices do you do that on do you do that on just the pc or do you go mobile with a notebook or even more mobile with a tablet i do most of my work on the mac i used to own an ipad and i'm i've been looking at maybe purchasing an ipad again just because i like all the uh, comic book apps that are available well funny you should mention that because apple very low key, which is kind of uh, strange. They usually trumpet out everything, but they announced that on the way is a new line of iPads, along with 
Samsung, which recently released their Galaxy tabs. I want to ask you this. What will bring you back to the table to buy an iPad or Galaxy tab? Because while everything looks to be and appears to be better, they're getting to the price range and features and capability that, that maybe necessitates for a lot of people to go back to laptops and go back to desktops because no matter how much you're going to put into the these tablets, they're still not going to be able to get the same kind of features even though you are paying the same kind of price. Yeah, I mean, the only way that I would go back to a tablet is if it's cheaper and they had an option. Like, you know how on Mac you have a Finder or in Microsoft Word you have, a, what is a File Explorer or whatever? Uh, if they had something like that, because when you download things on an iPad, it takes like three hours to figure out where it went to and how you, how it can play. They had a way you can set up files and store things like that might change my mind, but for the money that they're asking for an iPad, I, I mean, I might as well just buy a computer or a laptop because you know, they're more, uh, they're easier to do the things that I need to do on them. Because they're starting in two, three hundred dollar range for current models, and they go all the way up beyond a thousand dollars. Correct. Correct. I was looking at one uh, earlier this week that costs is like sixteen hundred dollars. So that's that's about two hundred dollars less than what I paid for my twenty seven inch iMac. And for me, who's has Samsung products and and is really into to the Android side of it, the Samsung Samsung Galaxy tabs they look really good, really improved. You know, as far as the display is concerned, top notch. Their capabilities, their versatility is pretty good. But that price tag, as far as what's going on with it, because they don't have the same type of RAM, internet, and also as well the the same type of uh, storage capabilities, I'd be best suited to get another desktop, or or even if I have to do something on the go, get a laptop instead. And even the two in ones, which don't offer the same kind of diversity when you're using as a tablet as, as let's say a dedicated iPad or a galaxy tab still are more powerful in a lot of cases for the same very amount of price when you use them as a notebook. Correct. Correct. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make sense when you can pay, uh, you know, a, maybe a, a little bit more or a little bit less and get, you know, get, get a, get a laptop. It's just the, the practicality of a iPad kind of runs out at that point. So I ask you this, what does the tablet market need to do? Because I think personally from 2010 to basically 2015, the tablet market was, was booming. It was huge. And people were, were very interested in, in getting and, and using tablets, iPads, even less expensive tablets like, like the Kindle and, now it looks like that with these new Galaxy tabs and new iPads are available, they're very nice to have, but they're really pricing themselves out of their own market, do you think? Yeah, well, when the tablets first came out, they were being advertised as the cheaper alternative to a computer, and now they're not so cheap, and they're not really a better alternative. If anything, they're expensive and frustrating. I couldn't agree with you more on that. So, so maybe hard for for the tablet industry as a whole, unless these tablets have features that just are going to truly amaze people out there. But I think from a storage and RAM ca- capability, that they're not able to run the same type of programs in the same type of fashion that uh, a laptop or a desktop can do. So as long as they can't do that at the level 
of those larger, more powerful units, I think you're always going to have issues. And if they're at the same price or more, it makes it even less attractive for people to go and get. So I think there may be a misconception about the marketplace for iPads and Galaxy Tabs. What are your thoughts on the tablet market? You can send us your thoughts at yourgamesource at yahoo.com or feel free to send us a note uh, at our Facebook pages, Humanican Media and Pop Culture Cosmos or Humanican Media on Twitter or Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter as well. You can send us your thoughts because the tablet market is very strange indeed. I, I know my girls still use their Kindles every single day. But those are lower priced units, and that's what I thought the tablet market was going to evolve into. And that's why I thought at the time for several years why it was become such a, a huge part of the computer marketplace. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's time for more sarcasm, more gloating, more pop culture BS, and ridiculous video game chat as GamerCast returns for Season 2. My name is Rob McCallum, and this year, once again, I'm joined by Mr. Glenn Stanway and my lifelong friend, Jay Bartlett. This year, the show moves to a slightly different format, favoring a more unedited adventure that lets us include more topics as we get together once a month to vent and celebrate everything going on in the gaming industry today and yesteryear. So if you like the idea of arguing with us, though we'll never be able to hear you, then you definitely want to check out GamerCast. Season 2 is really going to take it up a notch. That's GamerCast here on the PCC, the Pop Culture Cosmos, on iTunes, and on Podbean. And we're back with the final segment right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend, Josh Peterson of Humanican Media. Want to ask you this, Josh, real quick on what happened originally with, with Star Wars Rogue One. Big hit at the box office. Obviously, the spinoffs were, were an excellent choice by Disney. Your thoughts on what's come to light in regards to the alternative ending for Star Wars Rogue One. And was that a better ending than what was shown in the actual film? No, it's it's not a better ending. I think in theory it's a better ending, but when executed on screen, it's not a better ending because the the ending that we got with Rogue One, because Rogue One was supposed to be a standalone story, you know, it's there's not supposed to be any continuation from there. And while I, you know, people might like the idea of Jin Erso surviving, people only liked her in that movie because of her portrayal. Like they liked the act, the actress playing her, and they liked the way the character was executed. You know, if they were to have her survive and then carry, because she wasn't in any, you know, uh, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. She wasn't in any of those movies. She would only have to be able to appear in, let's say, the Han Solo film or let's say some of the Ian McGregor if he does more uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi films. She could only really appear in those different films, basically the spinoff films. She could never really have a exactly. presence in the actual episodic film. Exactly. So that, I mean, I don't know if that was the plan for her originally, but you can't, uh, you know, they would have had to age her significantly and it would have been played by somebody else. And overall, it just wasn't, wasn't a very great idea. I can see why they would have done it. I like the character too. I think she was... You know, she's interesting. She had all like that. She had a lot of uh, layers to her and then, you know, she was played well, but you know, I don't think that her story would have done well to carry on because she would have existed strictly for fan service. And I don't think that that's such a great idea. Like you, I would have had some uh, trouble with, okay, I'm now running Disney. I'm now running the star Wars universe and all that. So I have this, this 
awesome leading character who's really carried Star Wars Rogue One, who really did a good job because Felicity Jones did did a really admirable job in the film. Now what do I do with her? And there's really just outside of creating more novels, creating creating more possibly in the the cartoon series, maybe doing a spinoff Netflix show or something like that, and then also trying to get her on the spinoff movies. That's basically all I can do, but I cannot put her into the heart of the actual films because episode three, episode four, episode five, she's not referred to really in, in any type of capacity as far as from a specific standpoint. So I'm glad they did what they did in a way. Uh, I wouldn't mind it either way, but it's just really, what would you really have done for her as far as if she had survived? And if even if the whole crew had survived, what would you really have for them to do within the Star Wars universe? So tying that bow real neatly, which for the Star Wars universe, which both you and I know, they don't tie their bows real neatly in the Star Wars universe. And they, they're you know, trying to dot those I's and cross those T's over the years has been really a chore. And they really haven't for on a lot of occasions really got the job done well. In fact, even Star Wars Rogue One doesn't really 100% dot those I's and cross those T's in full leading from Star Wars Episode 3 into Star Wars Episode 4. So... I kind of think that was probably the best decision to have that that ending that they did. Well, it, I don't know if you caught this last week, Josh, but there were some, uh, I guess, promotional signs that leaked out into the internet in regards to a game that you know is a standby for each and every year that comes out. But it looks like it's t- turning back into a familiar direction, and that's Call of Duty. Call of Duty, the well, the, for so long now, the the top name in the industry as far as uh, uh, video game and video game entities are concerned, sales have for year in, year out, based off the leaked photographs from the promotional material, that Call of Duty will be heading back into the direction of World War II. So I ask you, Josh, as someone who's maybe not the biggest fan of the world of Call of Duty, is this something that, that will gain your interest but also from a gamer standpoint, your friends that you know out there that are still big in the series, do you think this is something that's going to spark some interest as far as reigniting the flame for Call of Duty? It would have to be a really great, it would have to, like, they would just have to blow me away with the video footage that they show or the game trailers in order to bring me back to it. Because right now I'm so over Call of Duty. And I think that going back to World War II is. It was inevitable because there's so many modern, uh, you know, futuristic shooters out there that why why do we need one more? Why like Call of Duty's become an annual game? So why do we need to, uh, you know, take a game that was was okay the way it was and then turn it into a, you know, like another Halo or a Dead Space or a uh, or a Killzone or some or Resistance? Like we had, there's so many games out there that you know, kind of have that vibe to it. So why do we need one more? And why it, it's like that whole thing. Like if it's, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So why, I don't even know why they left the world war settings in the first place, but I'm so over call of duty at this point that it, they would really just have to blow me away to bring me back to it. I'm eager to see what's going to happen with, with call of duty this year. It's seeing how they're going to go back to world war two when it looked like they were not going to come back at all ever. 
them coming back, is that going to reignite a push back into World War II as a, as a mainstay in the shooter genre? We'll wait and see. What are your thoughts out there, everyone, on Call of Duty going back to the World War II platform as far as for at least its upcoming game this year? Tell us your thoughts by sending us an email, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, or you can send us a note on our Facebook pages, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Humanican Media on Facebook, Game Source on Facebook, or you can send us, you know, you just like us there and you'll get the latest information on pop culture and also video games as well. You can send us a message on Twitter at Pop Culture Cosmo, at Humanican Media, and at Game Source as well. So it's been another great episode indeed. Again, we just truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And if you get a chance, one of my top 25 films, North by Northwest, is getting shown in a limited fashion for a couple of days next week. So if you want to get a chance, find out through Fathom Events. I'm just giving them some free pub Fathom Events uh, to check out what days. I think it's April 2nd and April 7th. I'll be going to one of the the shows myself to go check out. I've never seen, obviously, on the big screen because it came out before I was born, but North by Northwest, which is one of my favorite films all time. So you want to check that out in the big theaters indeed. And then a special love, special love to our our sponsors. Thank you so much to Always Green, Synthetic Turf, and Putting Greens, Retro City Games, Retro City Games on Facebook, and RobMcCallumFilms.com. For Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day here in paradise here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you so much for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks again for listening to us. We've uh, been gone a week, but we are super BS. My name is Jim. I'm also Jim. I'm also Jim Donna. Jim Donna Derek Merrick. The, the third. The third. Um, yeah, so anyways, we got some games we want to talk about and some news, but we're going to go through that pretty quick. What have you been playing this uh, last couple weeks, Josh? I, uh, believe it or not, Jim. I actually went out and bought a PlayStation to play Halo you, Wars 2. Uh, play Halo, Halo Wars 2. He thought, oh man, he can't get enough Halo Wars 2. So. Um, I played Uncharted 4, 
which is really really great. Like I have you played Uncharted before? I played Uncharted. I played the other ones, and I okay. wanted to play the new one, but I just didn't want to go out and drop what? the money on a PlayStation. I don't want to get too far into it, but what do you think of three though? I liked two. I didn't care for three. I didn't care for three too much either. It felt too busy, like it, not enough storytelling and just too much. And oh. the gunplay was never like I, I feel like Uncharted and Gears of War are like weird games where like. Gears of War story is okay, but mechanically it's a blast to play. Uncharted's story is great, but mechanically it's okay. Like it's not bad. You it's just get, not like super you great. Get stuck to a lot of things, like yeah. in the gunfights, and yeah. then you end up like pressing a button and ending up running into the other, and then like dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you, uh, it doesn't register that you're trying to like leap off of something, and then you end up just falling to your death. Outside of sports and racing games, Uncharted might be the most unappealing franchise to me that exists. It's you should give it a shot. I will never give, give it a shot. Okay, because it just looks dumb to me. Like I don't think it looks like a bad made game. I know Naughty Dog is a capable designer, but aesthetically, I'm not a huge Indiana Jones fan. I like Indiana Jones, um, and I like the first Mummy with Brendan Fraser, but otherwise. <laughs> Well, that's I, the game we need. I hate, <laughs> I hate like archaeology type like mine ruin stories, uh, except for Tomb Raider. Yeah, and that's kind of what it comes down to for me is that Tomb Raider is definitely better. Well, Tomb Raider is um, a very similar game. Uh, I like a lot of things about Tomb Raider, where Tomb Raider is a lot more open. Uncharted is a very linear game. Yeah. Um, but they do stuff. But it's more like like nothing about it looks interesting to me. So why would I waste the time on it? And that, that's not that's not that's not a judgment that this is a bad game. Yeah, it's, right. it's like a beloved. Series. It's obviously like a beloved franchise, but to me, it looks as dumb as a racing game or a sports game, which oh. I also hate. So. Yeah, right. It's a personal. It's yeah. It's, it's definitely a subjective thing. But I, I played up to uh, the part where you're Africa or something like that. Did you get that far? You're in a jeep. In Uncharted 4? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I enjoyed it up to there, but, like, I do get kind of sick of the mechanics. Like, oh, I'm going to climb... Like, it's fun, it's cool, it's beautiful to look at, but, like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to finish the whole game. See, I have this thing where it... When it comes, like, if a game has a really good story, like, I have OCD, or even if I hate the gameplay, I have to finish it because I need to know what happens. Well, speaking of great stories, you had another game you've been playing this week, right? Something yeah, recent. The only I'm, recent game we're going to talk about. I've been playing Mass Effect. Um, have you guys had a chance? I no. played, like, 30 minutes through EA Access. Or, I played, that's not true. I played 30 minutes of multiplayer, which was really enjoyable. It's building on 3, I think, better mechanically than 3, even. Um... And then I played 30 minutes of the story, which was, it's it's okay. It's alright, I mean, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't bother me. And the whole thing where everyone is saying, oh, the facial animations are yeah. bad, it doesn't bother me. Is I would, like, the way that it was being described, I was expecting, like, Minecraft faces. Like, it was, to that point, I mean, I don't think that... I don't know how you expect Minecraft faces. No, I know, but, like, <laughs> they were just describing it so poorly. But it, I, I see it, and, the, yeah, there's parts where, like, the... The mouth movements don't match what they're actually saying, but at the same time, it's like, why Why does that bother you? stare at their faces literally for like, maybe in a cutscene, you'll see it for like 30 seconds, and then that's it. Yeah. I My only complaint that I ever saw, not saw someone complaining, but my personal complaint was that I just thought the female writer that they use looked like Pixar. So it was like... It was weird. Yeah, the yeah like not, not in a bad way, because obviously Pixar is great, but it felt... Like that kind of like cartoony style human being, like her face looked weird. Yeah. And 
it's they're trying to go for realistic. Yeah. So I've actually heard a funny complaint with her because she always like has a half smirk on. So I guess there are moments in the story where bad things happen. She'd be like, "Oh, really?" And like they never fix the face to reflect yeah. like, like well, what's like going she, on. So like well, she looks like the braces girl in Finding Nemo. Like, <laughs> oh, I can totally see up. that. I can totally see that. Um, but real quick before we move on from Mass Effect, what do you think of like the story that you've seen and mechanically? What do you think? From what I understand, it's it's fairly bloated. Um, Derek and I, aka Donna, have been uh, doing some sweet, sweet, sweet talking about that over bloated overworld stuff, man. And I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, I'm right now. I'm about five hours in, and I haven't even started the second mission yet. Yeah, you so. bone one yet? No. See, that's another thing I want to talk about. There is so way too many options for like romance on the ship. You Not have to enough. you have to be careful who you're talking to because you could end up like you you get hit on anybody, like literally anybody on the ship. Like you could form That's like Inquisition. Yeah, well, I think there are more romance options than this. Than, I read there were like 12. Yeah. So, I think Inquisition has like 6 or 7, which is still a good amount. No, it has maybe 6 or 7, but I but there's more non-party members in uh, Andromeda that okay. you can romance. There's only, there's, there's only two. There's, there's only six. Oh, there's three in uh, Inquisition that are non-party members. Yeah, because there are only six party members, if I know about Andromeda. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not, and from what I've heard, they're all okay. Yeah, None okay. of them are like... Well, I mean, you have your biotic and your, you know, your military specialist. How do you like the ability to build out any way you want? I like... It's... There's so it, it's it's almost overwhelming. There's too much to do, like too much, too many ways you can shape your character. Like I thought that Elder Scrolls was bad in like the way the the options they give you with your little like smithing charts mm. and whatnot. But there's there's so many different ways you can shape your character. Yeah, but see, Elder Scrolls, that's the only thing about that game that's complicated. Everything else is just like yeah, go. exactly. And Elder Scrolls also does something super excellent where. You build your character by doing those things. Yeah, like, yeah. Andromeda still follows, to my knowledge, an experience system. You gain experience from doing stuff. You get points you get from leveling. Yeah, you put those points. But in. It's not that it's bad. There's but also you the... have to level up your other characters, and you also have to pick like what, uh, who you want to wake up from cryo sleep. Like there's so many like charts and stuff. That spoiler. You fill out. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. But it's just. <laughs> I mean, I'm, maybe I'm not far enough into it yet. But like it from right. It's kind of overwhelming right now because I just like want to sit down and play it, and you know I I like it so far, but I just I hope that I can play it without spending eighty hours of my life. Well, speaking of overwhelming, we have a ton of overwhelming amount of news, and I still want to talk about what we've been playing. Um, I've been playing not a lot, so I don't have a lot to say. Just uh, Breath of the Wild, Zelda. It yeah. is um amazing. It's it's great. Uh, I don't know if it's perfect, like every reviewer said. It's a game has flaws, um, but it is just it's a joy. Like I was playing it last night. It's a Joy-Con. It's a Joy-Con. Um, uh, we can talk about Switch a little bit in the news. But uh, yeah, it, there's just so much cool stuff in there where you're rewarded for almost everything you do. You climb a mountain, there's something up at the top more likely. Every single thing that you see has something cool. I heard somebody describe it as like in Elder Scrolls and Skyrim. You're going through these big open spaces to get to cities or to get to this or to do that. A lot of times in Breath of the Wild, because there's only a handful like little villages, towns that you'll see... I'll just go in a direction to find stuff because there's always going to be like a shrine or a mini dungeon or like a seed that you need to get to increase something or there's always something to give you for doing stuff. And um, I'm almost at the end. I could I, I've done all the main story plot points and I can go and like fight the last boss. But 
I think I'm gonna keep playing till I get like really really sick of it till it's like oh I don't want to look for this anymore. So if um, if you were gonna start the game and then only play through the story, how long would it take you to beat it? If you just did the story, yeah. Um, wow, man. Well, I mean, you can just go for the last boss and beat it in 50 minutes, like the top speedrunner did. Um, but I, I would assume if you actually just mainlined and didn't walk around, uh, just because you need to find it. So unless you've actually played the game before, it would probably still take you 12, 15, 20 hours. Is there an hour? Is there an hour? Is there an ending that's like specific to literally walking to the boss and beating it? I don't know. I didn't. I haven't like looked. One of the things I've been trying to stay away from is spoilers. I have done some cheating just because of limited time, where it's like I haven't like solved every single puzzle in the world by itself because there are some puzzles where it's like, hey, we need you to figure out a secret club entry. I'm like, I don't. I don't want to go around a town looking into books to try to find this because I'd love to do that, but that's like requires time. You're thinking of Majora's Mask. It's just those <laughs> annoying kids. I think it's like five, four, two, one, three, or something. <laughs> that's it. Um, but anyways, Donna, I that's I, I could talk about it all day. Um, there, you know, the thing I miss the most, I think, is the music. But when you do get those sprinkled in themes, it's some of the coolest music ever. Like even maybe after we're done with this, I wanted to show you a scene from it that it's like that. Wow. That reminds me of pretty much one of the other weird things about open world games. Because that's something we were talking about with Final Fantasy XV, where there's incredible music that almost never cues. And then when it finally cues, you encounter monsters and it goes away. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah. so you can you never get a chance to let listen to the songs develop. Yeah. So it's like, like I remember once in fifteen, I this one song that I had only heard ten seconds of because it builds really slowly, and then every time it finally started cueing, I think it was in the second area. Um, a monster would appear and it would like go away. I just paused it and listened to it for like five minutes so that I could actually hear what this song was. Made me really bummed because, um, and I get it. In Dragon Age Inquisition, is the same thing. There's like barely any music. Um, yeah. During cutscenes, there's some cool. That's yeah, where they yeah. Introduce the themes, but and, uh, but you never like the out like the wilderness music. There's like random epic moments and then they just disappear. You're just running around. Um, it makes me miss like Xenoblade. I thought was felt very open open world in a lot of ways but they they just had like regional music so if you were in a certain area just a certain theme song was playing pretty much the whole time so you got to like know it which is great and that's like one of my favorite things so i wish that i wish that open world games would buck away from that trend of having almost no music um especially the fantastical ones i almost like it in like tomb raider yeah where it's like you know Intense. Yeah, and they'll have ambient music when yeah. it's slow. And yeah. Intense. And then I, I still love the music that is like developed for where it's like, you know, the, the cutscene music is always pretty good, the yeah. themes. But yeah, I think it's hard for the open world because they want to give you that dynamic music. So you never really get to hear like a, a cool, like in the original JRPGs we grew up playing, like um, they, you know, you have that section has this cool theme. Yeah. It's like, oh, you could do that, but you're going to be in that section for hours maybe like that theme is going to become like there is a cool dungeon theme in 15 that seems to play non-stop oh i think i think i know which one you're and and i think that's the the thing about it but we probably should uh start talking about what you've been playing donna uh still overwhelmed with dragon age inquisition Uh, an overwhelming games i'm pretty close to i can't i left i left it on like pause once so like that you turn off your xbox and leave it on yeah and so it 
my hours are more bloated than they are, but I think I'm probably at like a hundred hours of like actual that gameplay at this right. point. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, I think I'm running out of non DLC things to do. Okay. You did um, the DLC? No, I okay. haven't. Oh, that's the thing. You mean you're running out of things that aren't DLC? I'm trying to. I'm gonna play the DLC probably post game. Okay. Because I'm all. I'm only a couple missions away from the end. You um, did the winter ball? I did. Okay, that's I didn't fun. love it. I mean, um, I, I like the idea of it, but yeah, it it does kind of get old. You know, you have to do that fighting it, section. If it stuff. if the game was literally half as long, yeah, I would be very invested in like. Oh my gosh! This is this weird mission where I've got to like talk to people, and everyone's trying to kill each other, and everyone's like you got to blackmail people, and the whole intrigue of it was cool. But getting there at hour eighty, yeah. and then having to like be like, okay, <laughs> if I don't talk to this person before this bell rings, uh, then I won't get a good ending. And you just like you start to hate that kind. Of, this is the problem with a game that has so much reactivity, and that's what's making me really happy to continue playing Torment, which I am playing okay. because the game is not that long. So you mean Torment? Right? Yeah. So I will replay Torment definitely, especially once they release. I'll probably finish it in the next month, and then I'll probably wait for them to put out the next batch of content that they're going to do for it because it's all going to be free. Okay. And then I'll replay it, and it'll be a totally different thing because you can't keep all your party members you can't like do all the quest lines like there's a whole bunch of reactivity to it so um but it's not that long so it like makes you want to go back but when it's like like i remember playing through dragon age origins twice and that was long but when the game is like over 100 hours and there's all these different pathways you can take or even just in inquisition how there's like you choose the mages versus the templars at the begin or at the, in like the midway point of the game. Yeah, it's like cool moment. I spent forty hours getting to that, and yeah. then another fifty hours like beating the game after that. Like I'm never ever gonna go back and play the templar side because yeah. the game is too long. Yeah, too much. Yeah. Um, but you've been playing some uh, oh, yeah. RPG stuff. But too. Uh, so yeah, Torment still, Inquisition still, and then I started playing uh, Super Mario 3D World <laughs> the Wii U. Uh, yeah. The Wii U because Is there a lot of people rated up there with some of the top Mario games. Yeah, I I I, uh, I had it for years. I wasn't that into it when I first got it. Uh, yeah, I think something we were talking about and have talked about over the years is that we were expecting it to be just a console version of Super Mario of 3D Super Land. Mario 3D Land on which 3DS, is which excellent. is Possibly the best Mario game ever. It Outside, is really great, yeah. It's yeah because it takes it takes Mario sixty four, it takes New Super Mario Brothers, it takes Mario Galaxy, and like rolls it all into one amazing game. Yeah, it's bite sized uh, chunks too. You can beat a level in two minutes because yeah. they have a timer, and then you can find all your. It's awesome. Yeah, anyway. there's secrets. There's replayability. There's unlockables. Super Mario three D World is not the same game. It's a great. It's a cool game. But the whole game is meant to be multiplayer, so it's got this weird camera. Yeah, you play a multiplayer Mario game. Well, it's just everyone's on the yeah. screen at once. Oh, okay, um, it's not like don't imagine Super Mario Six Four. Imagine like New Super Mario Brothers, but in three D. Oh, so, so like, and not not literally three D like yeah three D vision, but like it's like 3D not world. Not yeah, you 2D. can move up and down yeah. and left and right. So because it's supposed to be multiplayer. Um, you know, the, you basically have this compromised camera angle the whole time so that you can see everyone on screen at once. So when you're playing solo, it's just not as, it's not as good feeling as any other Mario game. Um, yeah, it has a strange feel It has a strange it. feel to it. Like, the buttons feel weird. Like, you can't, 
you can't like hop jump where you like one, two, three. Yeah. You don't um, like one, two, right? You, you can't punch. You can only yeah. jump, but it's 3D, so you feel like you should be able to punch. punch. Can you even butt slam? Yeah. You okay, can. you can butt slam. But I, I don't haven't found a use for it. Yeah. Um, I also felt like that game starts off on the wrong foot. I felt like the first level is boring. Like, I don't know yeah. if you play that. First level, you just kind of run through the tubes and you climb the up the wall. The other thing is that, like, is that you need you basically need a cat suit for the game. Yeah, almost every level because there's always going to be hidden things that cat suit allows you to climb up walls. Okay. And unless you have a cat suit, you can't climb up walls. So, But I, I did this part today where there's these platforms that like rise up and down, but they're too high for you to reach by jumping. But there's no things to climb up around you. And there's a wall where you can like angle jump. But it's 3D, so it's not like you're you can just pop up. You have to like guess your angles to go around this way and back. Oh, and man. it was like the most frustrating thing. I did it, but so so there's some design things about it. I think they're designed compromises because of the multiplayer aspect of the game. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I'll probably finish it this weekend or something. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. It's still it's still a Mario game. Like it's still fun. It's it's a great game. I am disappointed that to hundred percent it, you have to beat it with all four playable characters because they really tried pushing that multiplayer uh, aspect, and that unlocks a fifth playable character, which then you need to beat the game with again, and then that unlocks the final. That's world. how they encourage you to keep going back and playing it again. Yeah, but yeah. see, see, it just fresh. The game is too. The much. game is long a little yeah. bit, and it's, it's like, like 20, 30 hours. Oh, maybe not twenty. Probably twelve though. So hours. it's not short. And I get because if you had if you were playing multiplayer, you could do it all at once, but, beating the game with all four characters. And they all would have to get though the top flag too. It's not even just like a matter of like you'd have to have four good Mario players playing together, like your kid oh, sister. Oh, I the top flag. Yeah, it's right. like the same as uh, 3D Land, where Mario and Luigi both need to get all the coins plus the top flag to get the uh, extra world. Do they have to get all the stars? Yeah. I'm gonna look into that. That sounds. I like, think. I think I feel that's like true. That can't be true. Because if that, because I remember reading about it, and just being like, "This is stupid." Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, it's cool, but it's like nobody has the time for that. You yeah. know, like, uh, I guess people do. You know, you're a kid. That's all you want to do every day. But um, but um, I was gonna say, it's it's still pretty fun. It's like Mario. It's it's randomly got really fun. I mean, Mario always has great music uh, in its own quirky way. The, the theme song is super infectious and is also very similar to music from the first Lunar game, the world map music. It's pretty much the same theme. Um, and then uh, also uh, the Boo Houses have this like really dramatic JRPG music. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Be awesome if there was J-pop in a Mario. I mean, it wouldn't be awesome. It'd be terrible, but it'd be really funny if some Mario game in the future has like a J-pop section. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys watched or played Xenoblade Chronicles X, but just to diverge real quick, they they had this thing that I, I watched a Twitch streamer play it, and I, I couldn't get into it just because of this. But they had J-pop with vocals playing while a cutscene with actual dialogue that was voiced was going on. You're like, dude, that's my least what? favorite trend in JRPGs. Is it, these days is like vocal, vocal music. music. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. I loved it. I loved like the the cheesy like songs at the end of Final Fantasy games. Those yeah. were great oh, and yeah. amazing. But like like melodies of life or eyes on me, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, or suit kidney the the non English one. Yeah, yeah. in... the, the Final Fantasy thirteen games they did that a lot. I, I think that's right? Kiss Me Goodbye or is that 12? I don't. I think twelve was Kiss Me Goodbye. No, I they did they 13. did it in thirteen a lot. It was my it was one of the main. 
My my main criticism of thirteen <laughs> music or just the game as a whole. The game as a whole is getting taken right out of the moment when they have really cool melodies and music, and then all of a sudden someone starts singing. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know why people do that. Yeah. Um, there is one there is one game that does it that I like, which is Blue Dragon. They do, um, it's okay. It's only in boss fights, okay. and it's the dude from Deep Purple singing. So it's like this old like rock singer. And it's like it's like an epic fight music, so it's it's well, fun. I, I feel like there is maybe not vocals, but there's really big like choral music that you need to focus on in a lot of Final Fantasy that works well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the J. It's, like, it's the yeah, it's like, like the poppy Japanese. Yeah, yeah like I remember in thirteen when it's like you're in this cool wilderness and you hear the main theme that da 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 da, but then it's like. And the, some that's some the girl starts singing. singing some girl starts singing about rainbows, like yeah. take me to the rainbow. And it's like bad <laughs> lyrics or something like that. Oh yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Da, da, that, and it's exact, like yeah. it's such a cool like the begin like when you turn on Final Fantasy 13. I love that piano theme when it like yeah. pops up on the the title screen, but it's like. The lyrics are so bad. It's just like dumb. But that was my. Uh, that's like the main reason that I I will probably never even try Xenoblade Chronicles X is that yeah. they took out the best part of Xenoblade, which was the people that did the music. Yeah, Yoko Shimomura and then uh, Matsuno. No, not Matsuno. Mitsuda. Yeah, I wonder if they're gonna bring it back for the. Two. I think they are. Speaking of which, let's just. Do you guys need a break? No. Let. I mean, I need to. Okay, I guess for technical reasons, we'll take a quick break, but we're going to be continuing back talking about Nintendo. So this seems like a good time as ever. Okay. But ooch. Sorry about cutting you off. I just mm-hmm. thought we'll, uh, we'll talk more about Nintendo stuff anyways. We'll probably mainly just talk about the Nintendo stuff. I don't know if there's any Mass Effect or stuff you guys want to talk about, but then the YouTube stuff. I think between those two, because Nintendo will cover Radiant Story, uh, yeah. Singing and Setsu, all that junk. Alright. Well, here we are back now after we just uh, all went to the restroom at the same time. Um, anyways, we are back talking about Nintendo, our favorite topic. That and uh, the Tales series, the things we love the most here on yeah. Super BS. Um, yeah, there's some Nintendo stuff I want to bring up real quick. I guess they finally acknowledged the left Joy-Con issue um, as being, a, I think it's called a manufacturer variance. So they're not saying it's like a defect. But I guess if you want to send your Joy-Con is, in, they'll fix what it. What is that? It's So what it is was they didn't make like the spool long enough at the end, so it's not connecting to the Bluetooth. Mm. So literally I've seen the ones that they fixed, and they just put like this rubber thing on it, so it picks up the signal. Mm. But what it was was like just they didn't make the so same money. How, they make, like, all the people that are having this issue, what are they Which do? is myself what, included. You, yourself. Do, they, are you, do you have to send it back, or do you take you it to like can, a local game store? No, or? yeah, it kind of sucks. You need to send it to Nintendo. You just need to send the Joy-Con, but that means like say you want to take it into table or handheld mode. Um, you don't have it. You can't play handheld mode. So it takes about two weeks. So I'm going to wait for the Joy-Cons to go on sale. Just buy a second set when it's like 50 bucks or some reasonable price for two of them. And then uh, then send them in because you get a full year warranty at least. Okay. So, uh, But yeah, there was actually some cool Nintendo news. Uh, Want to take it away, Donna? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Nintendo news that was cool this week. The uh, Mana series collection. Yeah. Second Edsetsu. Um for Switch, which is in Japan, yeah. um, has the first three games. Uh, it's weird. So it has the Game Boy yeah. version. The Final Fantasy Adventure. Of Final Fantasy Adventure or, or Secret of Mana. Yeah. Um, I wish they would have done the PS Vita one that they released last wait, year. These but I are know. Final Fantasy titles? No, no, no. no. Uh, so let's, let me let's let back explain this up. It, yeah. um, so there's a, there's a 
Square has a handful of, of series that are fairly old that are not Final Fantasy. There's Final Fantasy is one of their flagships. Now that they're Square Enix, they have Dragon Quest, of course, which is very old. Yeah. Um, but there's the Mana series. There's also the Saga series. Yeah. And there's the Chrono series, which, which hopefully they two. never do anything with because... Chrono Trigger, right? Yeah, yeah Chrono, Chrono Trigger, Chrono, Chrono Cross. Cross. I play Chrono, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger is amazing. Chrono Trigger is amazing. Yeah, it's, I, probably one of the yeah, best it's one of the best games ever. Games but, ever. Uh, um, so Secret of Mana is another series that's made by, um, I think it's Ito is the guy that directs that one. I don't or know. Or invented that one, created that one. You didn't play it on PlayStation? They had a, like a really cool, like, I, I played it. One on, they had one Legend of Mana on PlayStation. They had two that I never played on PlayStation 2. They had two 3DS ones. One was like a dungeon crawler and one was a strategy game and then they had this original trilogy that so so it's its own unique world setting it's different than final fantasy where final fantasy every game has its own world setting this has a consistent mythos okay. uh the mana tree is that there's the the mana goddess there's the mana sword and then there's the elemental spirits uh so there's like very nature oriented mythos which and i guess every final fantasy game is a nature oriented mythos too and it's also an action rpg sometimes uh, uh most of the times i would say like be till the PlayStation Two yeah. DS era, they were all yeah. action RPGs. Turn based? No. no, no action RPGs. Uh, yeah. So that's that. So they're kind of like, um, like the first couple are are Legend of Zelda esque. Yeah, but with, with leveling, with leveling up and stuff. Oh, okay. So they've remade. Um, so when they when they ported Secret of Mana to the US, they yeah. called it Final Fantasy Adventure on the Game Boy. Uh, you mean Second Dead Setsu? Yeah. yeah. Well, of, that's what Second Dead Setsu means or whatever. Because I thought Second Dead Set, Setsu 2 was Secret of Mana. That's what we know. So, yeah. So I thought Second Dead... I didn't know what meant. Does it mean mana even? I like think so. Okay, because I know why they call it Final Fantasy Adventure and you can explain that. Yeah. But. They just call it that because they figured it would sell better because it's a more recognizable brand. Nobody but knows it became Second it, it has its own sequel on, play, on Super Nintendo called Secret of Mana... Second Detective 2, yeah. but we have it as Secret of Mana. Right here. So it, but it's completely unrelated. Unrelated, it's, yeah. Okay. Um, unrelated. Yeah, uh, like there's Final also, Fantasy. so there's, there's, yeah, there's actually, because the other three uh, Final Fantasy Legend 1, 2, and 3 games on Game Boy are part totally. of the Saga series, which yeah. is a, another completely different okay. uh, franchise that Square Up has. Um, but, so this is a collection of the first three games. Now they've remade. Um, the first Secret of Mana game, many times, there's the reimagining, which is Sword of Mana, which is okay. awesome to me. Then there's the literal remake, which was just... Uh, Last year. Yeah. They call it. They called it uh, Final Fantasy Adventure again, right? I thought they called it Sword of Mana? Or no, no that was the Game Boy Advance one? Oh, Adventure of Mana. Adventure of Mana, okay, yeah. Which, it's it's hard, but they're all yeah. just remakes of the first okay. game. Anyway. The second one's never been remade, though. Yeah, the second one is incredible. Secret of Mana is one of my favorite games I used to rent all the time when I was, four, like, four and five. Three-player co-op. One of the very few games oh, you had to Super buy Nintendo. the multi-tab. Like Super Nintendo, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Secret of Mana 3. Never came here. Which never was released in America, unfortunately, but has... That game has like multiple characters to choose from with all their own adventures and stuff like that. So it's like it was really ahead of its time. Really ahead of its time. So hopefully they release. They're releasing a collection for it. Hopefully they put it out in the U.S. Localized. And hopefully they localize Secret of Mana Three. Now there's a fan localization that's been around forever. That's supposed to be pretty good. I've played. I think I've played through a good half of the Warriors story in that game and it's it's awesome uh music's great just 
the guy that does the music for, well, for most of the Mana games, oh, man, I cannot remember his name. I think it starts with a K or an H or something I, like that. I, I should look these names up. But, um, yeah, it's, so anyways, it's coming out. It's in Japanese. However, because Nintendo's Switch is region-free, anyone can pick it up. So you can get it here. But until it's localized, it's in Japanese, is, so you won't know. So is it remastered, or is it just like... Just straight original, okay. which is the hardest pill to swallow for a lot of people. However, these games are so good, I actually don't think it's that big of a deal, is they're releasing them at about $50. So these are three uh, games, two Super Nintendo, one Game Boy game. They're selling for $50. Jeez. So it's it's very pricey. Um, if they localize three, I think it would be worth it in a minute, because that game's never come here. Yeah. And it's like he mentioned, it's... There's a choice of up to six six people. You can make a party of three who you play as starts your adventure. <laughs> There's different endings for every group. Like it's there was nothing like it at the time. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is pretty much like something that I don't even think they really started doing until the PlayStation era. Like I can't think of other games that have like that much choice because um, they weren't you know games back at that time didn't have character creation and all that other stuff. Yeah. But uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add to it, Don? Um. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited yeah. for that. Um, I really hope that makes it out here. They localize yeah. Mother. Yeah, yeah, that could make it. it Mother so, uh, Earthbound One, Earthbound uh, Beginnings. It was okay. originally Mother in Japan. So they they Wait, did Earthbound, that. What what series is that? That's Earthbound probably, uh, is a Super Nintendo Super RPG, Nintendo. and they before that there's so, a regular yeah. Nintendo game. Earthbound's a little bit confusing because they're it, all there confusing. Were, yeah, because they were confusing. So. Yeah, because Earthbound Beginnings. Was a Nintendo game. Earthbound that we got on Super Nintendo was actually a Nintendo game that got ported over. That's why it looks so strange. But whatever. I mean, those are, that's a great series. Um, but yeah, so they 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 like officially translated and ported that game, a regular Nintendo game, yeah. like two years ago or whatever. Yeah. So, so they may do it. So they could do it. Yeah. Like, that would be amazing. Um, amazing stroke of goodwill because I would probably I would probably purchase a Switch yeah. like as soon as that was coming out. I mean, I because I, I'll get inevitably I will get one, yeah. but yeah. that would be a, a system seller for me in the near future. Would be the Mana Collection. Yeah. Um, so, and then the other Nintendo news I think is pretty awesome this week is Radiant Historia remake. Yeah, sadly coming to the 3DS again. If I were Nintendo, I'd be like, we will pay for you to put it on the Switch. We will pay whatever the development cost is. We'll have our own team. <laughs> Put games on the Switch. Stop putting games on this dying platform. But anyways, talk about the game. Yeah, the game yeah, is I'm really frustrated. The more that I think about it, I am frustrated that it's on the 3DS yeah, and not on the on Switch. DS. Like, um, and the 3DS is backwards compatible. Like, why are you doing that? So why, why, from a business point of view, why do you think they are? I don't this? think they made many prints of the DS one. So I think the biggest yeah, reason they did, they're just they, selling. It was a game that came out and ended, end up, ended up being really highly rated, and yeah. then you couldn't get it, and then they did a second run of it. And then it sold out, I think. And then it sold out again, yeah. It's a weird thing because they released it at the end of the DS life, and it looks, looks, I'm hoping, the end of the 3DS life, they're re-releasing it. So it's like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? But um, that actually, that, that was really cool news that came out, but it brings me to a point I kind of want to talk about today. Two things that have been um, a little bit bothering me about the Nintendo Switch. So before we do oh, that, sorry. we yeah. talk about rating. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk yeah. about the game. Sorry, it yeah, is one of my that. favorite games of the last decade, maybe. Like it is, it's awesome. It's got uh, music from uh, Yoko. I, I, Yoko I should, Shimamura, or whatever? Shimamura, yeah, yeah, okay. Sue's who did Legend of Mana, who's the Kingdom Hearts, was in Xenoblade. Okay. Fortunately, too, this is less of her Kingdom Hearts kind of music. Oh, I Final like Fantasy Kingdom 15. Kingdom Hearts music. Yeah, but Kingdom Hearts music is great, yeah. except for when it's all like 
you know, funny, funny, fun, fun. Oh Disney yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. When they did the Disney things, those were terrible. Yeah. But. So the themes, the main themes of Kingdom Hearts are yeah. great, but this is more like her Legend of Mana work or her okay. Xenoblade work, that kind of stuff, um, or Final Fantasy 15, which she also did. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. So the music is incredible. I used to have the main theme set as my alarm every morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, the story involves time travel, little elements of choice. It's really addicting combat system. It's like a grid-based uh, kind of like, not but not strategy grid-based in the same way that like a strategy would be. It's a um, turn-based RPG. Okay. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, it's like a turn-based RPG. It's got really memorable characters and you, you kind of do this thing where you there's two timelines that happen and you can travel back in time and fill up like holes in, in events and stuff like that to reach like the complete ending and it's really fun. And you kind of have to just to give an example like I didn't get very far but there's a point where you need to know how to do this sword trick that's actually you can only learn from the other timeline. So you jump in that other timeline you keep completing stuff it allows you to unlock the next step yeah. in the future. So oh, it's like, cool. Yeah, like, it's, all, it's all time, time travel? Is it's, that... Well, you had two choices at the beginning. You choose one or the other. And then it's kind of like how your life oh, would have changed. Okay. So. And then you go back. Yeah. And you you can always skip scenes that you've already yeah. watched, which is great. But you'll like gain abilities from doing certain things in one timeline that you need to like blow up a wall in a previous timeline. Yeah. So it's like... Or not a previous in the other timeline, yes. so it's really so cool. You have to go back and play the other timeline. You, you can, yeah. you can. I think you can go. My understanding is that you can, you can beat the game on a singular timeline and get like the half ending. I just found the game to be so incredible that I, I just did the whole thing. Um, the whole game has got like a really somber feel to it. Uh, like starts off pretty heavy, stays pretty much pretty heavy the whole time, which is kind of fun. Um, it's just like has like a it has like a very unified aesthetic feel to it in my opinion. Yeah, it, I I think it was uh, I didn't get to beat it. It came yeah. out on like a there's no weird like time. There's no tail style characters. Yeah. There's not like a slutty witch somewhere or. Well, I wish there were more slutty <laughs> witches. Yeah, like slutty witches. Or like a you know. How many tails games are you buying now that you got PS4? We forgot to ask. Ooh, like, are you buying the whole series? I mean, how many tails games am I not buying? Zestiria. Uh, what's you the new one called? Playing all the backwards. First series. The backwards compatible PlayStation Three ones. Or? All, yeah, those that. You got how many PS Now? Uh, uh, accounts have you registered, huh? At least three. It's such a discount. Only 20 bucks yeah, a month. Well. You can stream PS3 games, man. <laughs> but, um, no, I actually wanted to talk about two Nintendo Switch things and get your guys' opinion. Um, there have been two new stories. Oh, is there something that you want to... Real quick, real yeah. quick. The, so... When when is it going to be available? Because I went and tried to look oh. for one this week. Like actually today, they said at GameStop today they'll have it. But so I I called GameStop though, and they either the ones that did have it sold out really quick, and the ones that don't have it. So you can order it from the their their warehouse. Oh, the five ninety nine. But one. you have to pay six hundred dollars for it. You have to I get the bundle. That. No, it's stupid. Yeah, don't anytime do that. a new console comes out, like Best Buy, like when I worked at Best Buy, they were notorious for this. You can only buy the console. If you bought a crap load of accessories and games Stupid. to go with it, like that—that's robbery. It, it's just well, if Nintendo Switch is GameStop opening their switches and selling them used for double price, <laughs> that would be not awesome. surprise me at all. Yeah, I—I uh, I actually was in a GameStop yesterday. I was trying to find the carrying case for it because I feel uncomfortable not having it because it's a yeah. very easy uh, system console to damage. Um, yeah, soon enough, I think it'll and be they easy. they said they didn't have any, they only had used carrying cases. <laughs> <laughs> used carrying cases, they were $30 instead of the $15. Um, 
No, it's it's one of those things. I think at some point Switch will become readily available. Like they they bumped up their uh, production this year from like eight million to sixteen million, and that's with the fact that there really is only one game worth buying it for. Now, uh, it's a system that has changed the way I want to play games. Like I hate the idea of like, oh, I'm playing Mass Effect. I now need to go out. I can't bring it with me. Like it is cool. Like hey, I'm going to go somewhere tonight. What if we end up watching a movie I've seen like 15 times? Yeah. Throw my Switch in my backpack. So it is a great console, but I mean, the, it brings up to the two points that I have that make, they're, you know, the two problems I have that I think are going to make it easily, easy to find very, very soon whenever they start really pumping them out is, one, there are still not a lot of games on it. It's just, they, they've filled up every week, they've released three or four, but they're just still like indie games. And a lot of them are indie games from four to 10 years ago. Um, I think the biggest one they released was Binding of Isaac Afterbirth, mm-hmm. which I've heard is excellent, and it's got two-player co-op built in, so you can just like pull off the Joy-Cons and play it. Yeah. But so that's that's a problem. And the next game they the next new game they have, and they've not talked about Virtual Console or anything else, is uh, Mario Kart, and that's not even new; it's a port. But that's April twenty eighth. And then the second problem that I've noticed that is kind of bothering me is there seems to be a Nintendo Switch tax that is coming onto a lot of games where. I, I've noticed this trend with a game called Rhyme that kind of looked cool, but I might not pick up anymore because I like play it on Switch, but it's $10 more on Switch for no reason because I, I don't know if they think because the value of being able to have a portable and console is worth the 10 bucks or, or what their, their deal is, but that's not the only game. I can't remember the other one I saw, but there are several games coming out at different price points for Switch. And when you're essentially getting an underpowered version of the game yeah. with frame rate issues, it is disappointing to think, oh, I'm paying $10 for the privilege of having this here. Like, it is, I'm already sacrificing having the best version of the game. And there still aren't things like achievements and other things that are fun little additions that they decide not That's to actually do. crazy that there's still yeah. no, like, achievement system in Nintendo. It's such a small thing that makes so much fun. Like, I, I want 100% Breath of the Wild, but I, okay, I so think that I'm like, why do I do it? Little pop-ups on the screen when you do stuff? It's fun. It, you don't cool. you don't enjoy... No, no, there no, are, no I, I like achievements. But I there think. are no achievements. Oh, there's no achievements. That's what I'm oh. saying. Like, I wish Breath of the Wild oh, did that. Gotcha. But because it doesn't, I will play it till I'm finished with it and then be done. Like, somebody got all of these seeds that are impossible to find, 900 of them in the game, Jeez. and there's, like, nothing. I mean, there's nothing, you know? <laughs> you guys you got 900. <laughs> Actually, in that specific case, it was golden poop. But, uh, yeah, spoilers, sorry, guys. Golden, but, uh, golden poop. Yeah, golden poop. Um, but, yeah, I was just curious what you guys think of that. Like, that idea where you're, like, Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, that's that's a $40 game. That game came out, I think it's 20 bucks on Xbox. Hmm. Like, that's a lot of money for a game that's five or six years old. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would rather play it on the Xbox and have it be cheaper because I'm mostly I don't have a Switch. But. Yeah, but I think once you get a Switch and you fork out the eighty dollars for the Pro controller, you'll find that like the Pro controller, they thankfully they mimic the Xbox. It's a really really excellent controller. Um, like it, it, I do want to buy games on it. I want to be able to do like, oh hey, I gotta go to the doctor's appointment today. Okay, well I'm having a lot of fun playing this console level game. Let me just take it along with me on the road. So what's the ba- uh, have you tested the battery life on there? What's it? Uh, I've gotten more than two hours, but I've never actually used it for the full thing. I'm I'm still super careful. I actually just bought a cozy, like a, uh, a dock cozy online. Because I don't know if you heard, but they're, the screens have been getting scratched with uh, if you put it in the dock, which is another crazy thing. But uh, I don't want to spend all of our time talking about this. So I'm just curious what you guys think about that value added tax and and the game lineup. We talk about this a lot, but like. 
there are cool things like the second Setsu thing that we talked about. And um, the fact is, you know, E3's around the corner. Hopefully we're going to get a really good virtual console. But I'm just curious what you guys think about it right now as it being two weeks after launch. It's interesting. I, I'm looking forward to having one eventually. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, like, nervous about the lineup. Yeah, it's... I'm still learn- nervous about, like, the overall, like, I don't know, like, if it's going to be worth in the end, if it's going to be like the Wii U, yeah, uh, which I still play, but I I wish I didn't. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> um, it, where it's just like, I, I want the virtual console. Like, yeah. I, I want, like, I would be fine with my Wii U had their virtual console act got, got together. Like, you know, like, had it been, had I been able to do something with that, then the Wii U would have been a really successful system to me, but because there was nothing on the Virtual Console... Well, they're releasing games now still. <laughs> yeah. They just released something last week. <laughs> I forgot what it was. And also just a handful of like really worthwhile games. Yeah. Um, it's it's a hard thing to you know stand behind. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to stand behind. So, so we'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to getting it. I still haven't decided if I'm just going to buy Breath of the Wild on the Wii U. Yeah. I, I would wait till you feel like you need to play it and then see if you're ready to switch at that point. Because I have to say, I've been in positions where like I needed to do stuff outside. And I played Breath of the Wild probably for 10, 15 hours on the go. Like I, I don't know exactly your guys' position, but I we have one TV in my household that my wife will use. Okay. And so I will play the, the handheld when she's watching her shows. And there's there's... There's a lot of cool things, and it actually is fairly comfortable. So yeah, I mean, it looks cool. I, I, the Wii U, I remember, is like super bulky. Yeah, the Wii U. If the Wii U would have done what this did, I think it would have even been easier to stand behind. Like, yeah. if it would have actually been a portable instead of lightning, you can make a Wii U a portable. You bring the the box that comes with it, and a power supply, and the game pad, and you can take it on an airplane. But like, I mean, that's people have done that, but that's crazy, you know, Ooh. like. Um, but anyways, things about thinking about things that we can't stand behind or we're interested in talking about. Uh, is there anything you guys want to talk about Xbox this week or Mass Effect or anything before we talk about our kind of biggest topic? Yeah, I just I have one to- one topic. The um, so I went to GameStop the yeah. night before Mass Effect came out, and I waited in line to get the game. It was like eight yeah. o'clock, so they were doing a nine o'clock release, and I don't like those digital games, huh? Yeah, there was hardly anybody in line. So I'm like, I'm wondering, I'm sitting here like, this is proof that the release of digital content is killing Yeah, retail, GameStop so. is having a crazy year. They're closing down, like the one in South Carolina. It's probably Plaza. good, so. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, let me ask you guys this though. Like, do you think that it's also going to start like decaying this subculture of gamers? How we like to get together and do things and there's still yeah, there's still comic shops yeah. like there are still things they may have gotten rid of the majority but there will always be hobbyist shops yeah there's always gonna be some guy who's gonna still sell stuff yeah I think it's I think it's I mean it might be good I mean it's I mean this is like the kind of thing that I think Microsoft was ahead of yeah game on with their original vision for the Xbox one which infuriated everyone yeah it was crazy all digital all digital but also like share games with up to 10 people like you know, all that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, you like you and nine other people could buy one game and all play it. Yeah, that's where it's like such a cool idea. Yeah, and everyone hated it, and then now like Sony did something similar and everybody's like, Oh man, it's the coolest thing ever. They did like a share play that allows you to share like the content of your game with someone else for fifteen minutes. And everybody's like, Whoa, this is the coolest thing ever. And then nobody ever talked about it ever again because they realized, oh, it's 15 minutes. It's not even like a great idea. So, yeah. But anyway. Sorry. So, I mean, I think 
part of the problem is GameStop is a company that should probably go down because it's has terrible business practices. Yeah. Um, they took out the mom and pop shops, man. I remember going to Games for Less when I was a kid or all the small games local game less. stores. Yeah. You know, like they they sadly like Walmart did to all the mom and pops. Walmart's kind of dis, dis in a lot of places disappearing because Amazon is beating them out. Did GameStop buy uh, EB games. games? They bought yeah, EB and Electronic Boutique. They Boutique. bought yeah, uh, Bad Babbages or whatever it yeah, was called. I remember there going, was a, the South Coast, the video game store at South Coast was a, was called Software Etc. When I was yeah. a kid, that was cool. And I used yeah, to like that. talk to the owner, or not the owner, like the manager there, and he used to like. It just felt different. Yeah, it was cool because you didn't have the internet too as accessibly to like know everything. Yeah. So he'd be like, like I remember when when Final Fantasy Tactics was out of print. Oh wow, that game was awesome, and you couldn't get it. And then he's like, "Hey, I found out they're going to do like a greatest hits run, like." Yeah. I'll save a copy for you. And it just felt cool. Yeah. More yeah. personable. It, but, I mean, it's like, and I remember, I think the last time I went to a midnight game release where I actually was, like, excited was Final Fantasy XII. Oh, I remember we went to that together. I did do the Switch one not too long ago, but that was just because, like, a buddy, I was super amped. He's like, hey, let's do it. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. I also think it's, you know, they weren't as pushy at those stores to buy stuff. And maybe that was their to their detriment, but I was happier to go in there. I didn't feel like every time I went there, it's like, "Hey, do you want to pre-order this or buy this used accessory they or do this other really thing?" And I'm like, about that. "They're all business oriented. They don't even want to talk to you about the games you like. They, no, they just want they, to sell you stuff." Yeah, and it's it's a bummer. And the people who do want to talk to you, because I have walked into GameStops when my wife's shopping and just kind of like hang out and talk, they normally get fired because they want people who are like pushing product. And like I've had them uh, when I picked up my Switch, I, I had the guy who was actually like angry at me he's like I, you're not the type of customer I like dealing with was literally what he Jeez. said to me because he doesn't want something I didn't pre-order anything but the switch and it's like sure you don't want to get accessories we need to get people to pre-order accessories so we can get more of them and it's like I, at that time I was just pre-ordering switch so I'm like I don't even know if I'm keeping this thing yet man like yeah. I don't want to keep you know doubling down and I found the accessories I wanted he literally said you're not the type of yeah. customer I yeah like he's like I get yeah it's, yeah and I oh man like I I've ran into him since then, and he was more friendly because that's where I went to look for the carrying case again because it's near the Target near my yeah. house. Um, but the idea still is though, like they have, you know, we talked about it recently in the Circle of Life. They have to sell a certain amount of stuff, and I'm sure for him it like reflects poorly that I'm not pre-ordering accessories. You know, See, like that's that's one thing I hate. The, another thing I hate about GameStop is it might as well be a hot topic now. Have you been? Yeah, the Funkos. Oh, like, they're terrible. All the Funkos and the T-shirts and like the action figures, like it's. <sighs> Yeah, they're they're desperate. Like they're desperately clinging, trying to find a market for them to justify keeping their stores open. Well, they they started that game uh, publication thing, you know, where they made that game. But it's such a strange gray area. Well, not even gray. It's a weird area because they have also they own a magazine that reviews games, Game Informer, and they now own or like publishing games. So like I don't know if you guys noticed, but their game Deep Sea or Under the Sea or whatever it came out last year during the summer. It got like a seven point five in Game Informer. I'm just curious. Like, I'm wondering, like, what did you give that person? Else? <laughs> like, uh, well, no, it got the same reviews. It's not okay. supposed to be a bad game, but it's just like one of those things where I'm like, because it was by Insomniac. They're yeah. like pretty good uh, developers. Um, but I'm just like wondering, like, did they like fire that guy? You know, like you have to wonder. Um, but yeah, there, there was actually kind of a, a even a bigger topic than. Uh, okay. Oh. One more thing. You wanted to bring up another thing. We gotta take a break real quick. Okay. Alright. Okie doke. Okay, cool. And then we'll about it's been about 15-20 minutes. Talking about uh, YouTube.
YouTube culture. Did you recently paint this? Like not touch paint? No, you can touch it. Okay, cool. So that's green, that's gonna be black, that'll be black. Yeah, man, it's just, I really, I mean, I love this place, and it's cool that they allow you to use it. I just really want to get, like, an office park, like, so not, like, an office park, like, just, like, a space, because, like, I find it hard to create at home, because I have so many, you know, I got Switch or whatever, it's like, I, I, get, I get that. I can get, like, maybe three things done before I, like, like, I can probably get an hour of work done before I need to take a two-hour break. Yeah. You know, like. Well, if you can find something that's relevant, because I've been, like, before I came here, I was looking at places to do yeah. the same thing, but, like, yeah. it's just. Well, that's why I need to get it with people. Like, doing it on your own is, you know, like, an impossible endeavor unless you're literally running a full-time business and not a creative thing. Yeah. You know, like, you need to be running something that's, that is. But, you know, Eric records, I do music, but the main thing I want to use it as is a place, like, a creative space for programmers for my end. Yeah. Because, like, I just, like I said, I mean, they could create, oh, well, you'll have to start when we not so start. But uh, they could easily create a game. Like, I just need to figure out what. You know what I mean? Like what yeah, type of game or what type of thing we should make? Because uh, I just I think I'll look back on it honestly. You know I I I think the idea of working for someone, which I'm okay with, is not what I really want to do no, at it's, all. It's not ideal at all. No, no, and especially in today's age. I was talking to one of the guys I'm in the class with. He's like 39. He worked at Blizzard for a while. He actually owns like three homes, so he's just like looking into this stuff to like make extra money yeah. and be creative. But you're talking about one. It's like. Conventional jobs are disappearing like left and right, so it's like it's scarier than ever trying to have that old way of life. And not that this way is great and making all the money and doing that, but hey, if you are able to be successful, you have a better chance of oh, doing it, you know, yeah. like than than like it used to be where it's like, oh hey, let me get a nine to five job. Yeah. You know, like, oh okay, well they just got rid of all nine to five jobs in that sector. You know, like yep. now what do you do? <laughs> yeah. You now need to like figure out everything. Yeah, no, I it's it's, and it's no it's like if you have the ability to work for yourself, you yeah. might as well do it. No, yeah, definitely. So I'm trying to figure out a way to stay in that field, especially as I I'm in this weird place where like I'm getting programming experience at school, yeah. but like I can't get an internship because I don't have experience, and you can't get jobs anymore with without experience. Yeah. But I can't even get an internship without experience. So it's like, yep, how do you get experience if you can't even get an internship? Yeah, it's the same thing. They're like, you would go get a job. They're like, hey, you need two or th three to five years experience doing this. Yeah. Like, nobody will give you. That. And you, I and now that. that's how it is with internships, which it's like used to be the way to get the experience. Is like, yeah. But anyways, uh, once we come back, we'll we'll skip that junk and talk about the interesting stuff. And I, you'll talk about John Tron probably, and I'll, yeah, I'll, we can like all talk about that. But Colin Moriarty, I'll like yeah. To Anyways, so we are back, and kind of like, I think not the last time we spoke, but the time before, we were talking about PewDiePie and his recent jokes. Um, Don, I've heard something about JonTron recently that happened. Oh, yeah, that he's not funny. That he's not funny. <laughs> oh, that's crazy, man. Like, everybody knew he's, like, the funniest guy. I think I expressed the same thing when we talked about uh, PewDiePie, that yeah. I just don't get it. It's, yeah. like, the epitome of amateur, like, so random humor, yeah. and it's, like, so... Bad. Well, he's got what 100 million it's people, like, and they're all kids. It's probably. like everyone. It's like everyone, uh, like maybe five years younger than us, like watched The Office when they were in high school and thought that like Jim pointing out everything and being like, "What? Yeah, like, the was like the part? funniest thing." <laughs> so everyone a lot does of it. Base their personalities off of Jim too. So it's yeah. like, but now it's like this like cartoon version of that where it's like, 
oh, I'm playing this game. What? What does that even mean? <laughs> it's like almost like self. It's almost like uh, like Seth Rogen like doing his constant like like I feel like Seth Rogen's entire humor is just like whoa, wait a minute, you just you just went there, <laughs> and that's all. He just like he's like you just. Just that guy. Like, that's like Seth Rogen jokes. Now, like, somebody walks up to him, dumps pie on his head. I'm all for that. <laughs> dumps a pie on his head. He's like, bam! Like, whoa, you just, like, committed to that. You, like, dumped that pie on my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's my <laughs> Seth Rogen impression. Yeah. Um, that is a uh, spot. Wait, was, was Seth here? Uh, oh, Donna. Yeah. Welcome back. Hey, Seth, hey, Seth, come back, man. Guys, that's me. <laughs> but, anyways. anyways. So I remember the first time someone showed me JonTron, and I was just like, I don't get this. This is so dumb. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, whatever his name is. Jafari something. I, I know it's John Jafari. Probably it's, maybe it's John Jafari then. John Jafari. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's well, Jafari gonna, something. He's a. <laughs> he's Jafar from he's a, he's about to go off on a safari of being ostracized, but. Yeah, man. He is literally like Jafar from um, <laughs> but yeah, so he he made some some claims, some very like alt right yeah. sounding claims about like white like white people being like persecuted or persecuted. I don't know. Like I mean, I read them all, and it just seemed like the normal, like totally inane, like batshit crazy stuff that people yeah. like love to like buy into, like really fearful sounding things. But anyway, it's led to like. Uh, like people like no longer liking him, yep. uh, and it's led to uh, today him being removed from ukulele. Yeah, he was the, a uh, voice actor. He was a voice ukulele. actor in ukulele, which oh. I'm I'm sorry that that he had to say weird, racist, yeah. bizarre things for this to happen. But I'm very happy that he's, he's not voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, I and so I don't. I think that it's a weird point where. Um, you know, we live, we live in a culture that's like, especially like on the internet where everything is like tolerant, unless you're intolerant, then we're yeah. intolerant of you kind of thing. And it's like, I mean, it's like a living South Park episode. Yeah. Um, that camp of intolerance. And, it, and, it, and I mean that whole, that whole like aggressive, like militant tolerance, yeah. like, like intolerance towards intolerant people, yeah. like it's going to eat itself alive because yeah. things like this are going to happen. Whereas this guy... You know, seems just like an immature doofus. Yeah, he's there's probably 22. Yeah, dumb I don't stuff know that he probably should not have said. Or yeah, just should not have said. Not he'll have said probably, if he's really that young, he'll probably grow out of it. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I, uh, could, maybe not. He could be our age, but he lives in a different world than we could understand because he's had a hundred million people paying for him to say whatever he wants for you know yeah. years. So. But you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things where it's just like a YouTube comment war where like some. You know, like some white knight of YouTube is gonna be like, guys, this is what really happened, and this yeah. is this. Like, entire literal white. Yeah, guy? no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna be like a constant battle of like, is this censorship or is yeah. it? No, it's not. He's not being censored. He's just no one likes him anymore. But either way, but what's funny is because so he's a unique case, but then there's Colin Moriarty as well. Yeah. See, Colin Moriarty, like, I was just about to jump into that. I'm actually writing an article about Colin Moriarty's situation right now. It's weird because. 
he what he said wasn't really his tweet. He's, do you want to read his tweet? No, let me let me because oh. you you probably know is he he's a liberal dude, right? He's okay. So he has a, a hybrid views where he mix takes everything that's good about conservatism and good about liberalism okay. and mixes them together. So the kind of people that will survive this crazy like yeah. polar yeah. like polarization that we have right now. <laughs> and so his tweet said was on a date without a woman. It said. Ah, uh, yes, silence. Or peace and or quiet. peace and quiet, hashtag yeah. a day without a woman. And then he tweeted again uh, something about uh, people not being... But yeah, he said his girlfriend was lying in bed and thought it was a funny joke. And I, I heard him on, I guess, Rubin Report, which is another male-centric thing. But, I mean, it's still, they were talking about, like, how, yeah, he checked it with his girlfriend first if he could post that. Before, like, you know, he didn't want to be, like, from what I understand, like, totally insensitive. But... You know, I mean, whatever. Um, uh, continue, continue with so, what you're okay, talking about. Well, no, I'm going to find the tweet. So, Colin Moriarty's on Kind of Funny. He worked for IGN for a while. But yeah. we've like we've reached this sad point in history where we can use, literally use the internet to destroy somebody's life. Yeah. And, like, what he said, it he, he shouldn't have said it, but it wasn't offensive. It wasn't, like... Uh, well, it wasn't you, a, you can't say it wasn't offensive because it didn't offend us. It but depends on it what, was, what's your definition of offensive. It was a joke, kind of though. Is the, the, the it, thing? It wasn't so. funny. It wasn't even original. But it wasn't as bad as everyone is making out to be. Like the International Business Times wrote a piece on it that said, uh, "Call Moriarty leaves kind of funny over racist, sexist joke." Yeah, it said like, racist, which is what? crazy. What? And uh, Joe Rogan picked apart that where it's like it's not a racist thing at all. It's 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 so sexist. The female race. Oh, here's the actual text. It just says, ah, peace and quiet. Hashtag a day without a woman. And then so stupid, the next right? following text was, she's actually in bed next to me. Oh, so somebody wrote, you might get a slap on the wrist from Aaron, but you get a thumbs up from me. Some narrow <laughs> He's like, she's actually in bed next to me and thinks my blatantly obvious joke is funny. Because and this is where I think he really got himself in trouble. Because not all people are humorless sacks of shit. <laughs> Which I think was actually funnier than the other thing he said, but he was attacking so like, a, a large group of people. All these people that are attacking him, like my my biggest problem here is what right do all these YouTubers and video game journals have to attack him when they basically make their living off of reviewing simulated death? Yeah, over and over and over again. Or or a good example would be kind of funny from what I understand, didn't stand by him and not only that, but they kind of maybe asked him to leave. There's some stuff we don't know because we're not part of them. Um, yeah, but they could it could have just been out of fear of what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, retaliation. Because well, we live in we live in like a I mean we live in a police state literally yeah. in some ways. Uh, yeah, I mean if you put yourself out there, I, I mean we don't. Kind yeah, of, we're, we're white dudes. Kind of funny <laughs> slogan is sucking that you know yeah. they they have all well, these slogans that revolve around oral sex like how they talk about that on the show. Yeah, I listen what, to the show weekly. Right and they, do you have to say, but I mean I, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like there's a, the leading theory with on I've been reading a lot of the fan board is that it had to it was threatening their partnership with Rooster Teeth oh that would, wouldn't surprise me Rooster Teeth is huge you know Rooster Teeth and they're like yeah. they do the Red versus Blue Halo videos they've been okay. around for forever and they are one of the largest podcasts like around and I don't know much about them but I know they're that they are partners outspoken. like politically they're super outspoken like they're they're liberal and they they've made it known and they even act the kind of funny live they have actually put jabs at Colin for his beliefs. Oh, really? So, like, it, you know, I, I can see that being an issue. Well, in 50 years, when both, like, all extremists eat themselves in this yeah. way, and then there's different extremists that exist, like, yeah. this will just look hilarious and stupid. Uh, I think, um, 
I think it's, I think, I don't know if like everyone at Kind of Funny was like outraged with him or if they were just fearing. Because they, we do live in that, that, that oh, state where it's sure, like yeah. people get ostracized for just saying something, which shouldn't be. Yeah. But I also get. And people have the right to do what they want. And I mean, hey, I get it with like John Tron. Like, yeah. I'm not like, I already and he attacked don't... a ton of people. Yeah. Like, I, I, <laughs> they deserve what. Well, yeah, there's some we'll things they should. PewDiePie's gray area again yeah. too. I think. Yeah. I think again for me, yeah. it's hard for me to comment because I think he's so unfunny that he shouldn't be famous yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it's like I, I kind of don't care. But um, with Jontron, it's like I already think he's not funny. Yeah. And then so I have no impetus to listen to him. And then also like crazy things like just like when I it's, whenever I hear like people just do that whole like like. White people are under attack, kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's like whatever. I'm like, <sighs> yeah. I just don't get it. I talk with like a ton of people about this, and this is a sad view to have. But I always when because there's I'm you know around people and they'll be talking about politics, and I'm like, and I try to never show a political viewpoint because mm-hmm. what I always tell them is like, if I don't show a political viewpoint, I don't have to worry about getting in trouble or having these things, and it stinks to not be able to because a lot of people politics is everything. Like a lot of people, politics is what they eat, breathe, sleep. But aggravating. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's like as somebody who doesn't care that much, I'm like, you know what? I don't really share my political beliefs or my politics at all, and I haven't had any problems. Um, Real quick about what you guys both have been saying. There's a another YouTube personality, and we're really getting to YouTube culture now, which is Uh, funny. Our favorite Uh, thing. Our favorite (laughs) thing. We got Tales for Syria (laughs) and YouTubers. (laughs) And he's talking about Tales for Syria. Um, No, his name's Boogie. I don't know if you know him. Uh, I showed Donna him earlier, and he's seen that before Christmas. Yeah, (laughs) he's Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. No, he he's known for like that's when we that's when we know that GameStop has gone full hot topic when they have a. Christmas section <laughs> and uh, Boogie is he's like he was up for like the you know most important YouTuber personality most important Boogie um, but he actually talked about all three of these things PewDiePie Paul Moriarty and John Jafari John Tron on like his YouTube thing and I, I listened to a little bit of it and he he spoke up defending Felix saying like yeah it was a dumb joke it was stupid but yeah we you know us the YouTube community wanted to defend him and you know that's his own opinion I I really don't care. It was a stupid, un- not well-timed joke. Um, it's not going to affect PewDiePie, so it doesn't really matter. Um, he, about Colin Moriarty, he said, again, this was like a sexist joke. You know, like, it's not the end of the world. It was kind of dumb. But, you know, like, I don't know if he should lose his job over it, which is kind of the stance I take. And then about John Tron, he said, I'm actually friends with this guy. So that's what he, he went off by starting. And, like, John is just, like, confused and trying to figure stuff out. And I, I don't know John Tron's backing, but but anyways, but he was like, you know, he he's just still figuring stuff out. What the beliefs they expressed are not stuff that I personally share, but like that's just him going over it. But the the biggest thing is if John Tron is as young as I think he is, like early twenties, he's probably like when we were twenties, man. Yeah. And like even now, like there are times, big? I yeah, we weren't maybe that dumb because I wasn't political at twenty, you know, like but about the humor stuff I was a reverend and I still am a reverend occasionally with friends I would hate for the idea of um, of like if I wasn't on film to be like lose my job over something else now if you put yourself on film and put yourself out there then the world has the right to make their own opinions about you that's what all of these guys have decided to do yeah but um, at what point do we just shut up and let somebody else have an opinion about something without crucifying them for it I can do that 
but can everybody? You know, I mean, we can still have a because here we all share our opinions, but none of us have went out there, and like I'm going to go and find though, their employers and there are people them. on YouTube though that say and do things like a hundred times more offensive. Oh yeah, for sure. They're, they're not as popular. They're as these not people. as popular, but like it's the same principle. It's I think just, the I think the interesting thing with JonTron is that in my in my opinion, this might be the only one that's warranted, really. Because yeah. again, I think PewDiePie's joke was stupid. Yeah. But I also don't think he's funny, period. Same with Colin Moriarty. Like, that one to me is probably the most on the not very, like, injustice side of things. Yeah. But for JonTron, he expressed some pretty weird views that all have to do with essentially fear of, of equal representation. Yeah. Which is, which is something that, which is as political as I will get, which is that I think there should be equal representation. Yeah, yeah So it's it. like, so just because there's more, like, people of different race or you know, etc. like uh, gender or sexuality and all that kind of stuff, like they can like be featured in games or featured like in the media. That doesn't make me as like a straight white dude fearful. Yeah. And so when I think someone expresses views that are derived from simply a fear of change in something that's pretty dang benign, if not good. Yeah. Um, you know, like, that to me is like, I don't, I don't want any, I don't really want anything to do with that dude. But I don't want anything to do with him anyway. It's not funny. <laughs> yeah. and, and we do need to go soon. But I just about Jafar John Tron's comment. I there was something. I think this was before we started meeting and talking. There, you guys know Oculus, yeah. Oculus Rift. There was the 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 face of it, a guy named Lucky Palmer, who supported uh, alt right groups with financially, and it was found out and blah blah and stuff. And developers started. Pulling support did for they, Oculus. Did he support it with Oculus money? Well, I assume the money he made from Oculus. Yeah, because that's okay. how he has money, you know? Um, and it was one of those things where, for me, it's it sucks because they pulled support because they disagree with the guy. From all the people who... And this is different from JonTron's case because people actually lost... Like, the purchasers of Oculus lost content because people disagree with the face of Oculus. So, that's, that's so th- weird, we're just though. in like a weird cycle that we're still figuring out as like a group. And, and at the end of the day, like I just want yeah. VR to go away so yeah. we can go Perfect. back to yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's so just, we can just go back to making good games. I was just <laughs> hoping that all those developers would just pull support for VR totally and then just it, like... Is that they're just tired of... <laughs> everyone just realized that VR was stupid. Yeah. I wish we could just get Game New out there to say the same political viewpoints and no more VR. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is weird though because the, the CEO of Marvel is actually giving money to Donald Trump. So, but oh, really? there hasn't been a lot of back, you know, weird flack from that. So, no I, flack? I don't understand like where where's the line. Where's the line? <laughs> yeah. here's, here's here's like my my political agenda in the games and media world is that I want to see VR defunded. Yeah. I want to see YouTube personalities defunded. <laughs> I want to see Secret of Mana three translated into English. And that is and a I, campaign. I, I believe that there is a direct correlation between all of the stupid stuff of gaming culture going away. Can we get a four president sign yeah. right yeah. under the sky? <laughs> These are campaign issues that we can stand yeah. behind. No, this Eric, is 2020. Uh, well, this has been a blast. Um, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. We are super BS. You can probably find us on whatever he decides to put behind me. Yeah. Badooch. All right.